Hey everyone, today is Tuesday, the 7th of March, 2017. This is The Gap, episode 360. This is the one where you do a spin and you end up in the same spot as you started. Uh, my name's Luke Laurie and Job is on holidays this week, seeing, <laughs> seeing John Wick. As far as I know, that's the only reason he went over there, right? Holidays and John Wick. Uh, <laughs> but that's cool because we've got Nathan Lawrence in the house to talk about video games with us tonight. There yes, and, I, and I'm here to make up for all the time that I haven't been on the show. So buckle in for a 12-hour extravaganza. But you've been, uh, you've had good excuses. You've been quite busy. But it's stupid. Like I haven't, I didn't really get a break over Christmas. <laughs> I worked through it, holding down the fort for websites and you know doing last-minute work. Because usually, you know, it used to be the industry would kind of die down mid-December yeah. and then sort of really not get started back until mid-Jan. But even then, you know, like as you'd recall, a few years back, game releases in January. That's where games went to die. February was much the same, and it wasn't until March that the releases started really ramping up and yeah. thus work didn't really start ramping up until February in the lead up to that. But nowadays it just, it's relentless. And now that good old Ubisoft has sort of set the trend of deciding that December is a month where you can release games. Yeah, there is, there is no quiet period. Not anymore. And I think the blame behind that was it, it was, um, was it Darksiders and Bayonetta that started that trend? Oh, did they? Does it go that, that far? Holy shit. Oh, that wouldn't surprise me. I think it was Darksiders. Like, the original Darksiders came out in right at the start of one of the years. And then I think Bayonetta came out, like, a couple weeks later. And that was kind of, like, the point where Stute Publishers was like, Oh, okay, we can, um, we can just release shit whenever and people will buy it. This is crazy. Because they were both kind of big games that, um, well, not, like, huge games, but they were games that were released and had enough of a, uh, that were good enough to kind of get a big following behind them. Yeah, but it is kind of relentless, and I mean, I'm I've only just gotten back in, uh, into <laughs> Dishonored Two, which I think we talked about a long time ago, because it was unplayable at launch on PC, and then patches came and they didn't really fix anything. I've finally gone back to it, and it still doesn't like they still haven't optimized that game, man. It's really disappointing that you go outside and it drops from sixty to you know thirty five, forty. Yeah, but it's not really twitchy, so I'm trying to look past it, but. There's just too many games to play at the moment. So even going back and trying to do my Steam digital guilt pile isn't proving to be very easy. Mm, yeah, that's another game that I need to get back to. Cause oh, you did. You stopped as well for the same, same reasons, right? Yeah, we stopped at the same time because we were both... Were we reviewing it? I can't remember. No, I was. I mean, I was doing a sort of like a PC power play. I do first thoughts, you know. Oh, yep, yep. Because like usually, especially Bethesda, <laughs> we get codes that come in really late, and instead of people waiting to read the magazine for full proper reviews, yep. uh, which there's time to do, I'm just sort of like, well, if I play, you know, two to I guess in the case of Ghost Recon most recently, nine hours, God, then it's sort of like, well, it's not really right for me to review that, but I can certainly give people an impression of what to expect. Uh, and I guess when it comes to PC ports, it's pretty easy to tell out of the gate when something's been shotified, which is not a word, but it is now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's busy. Things are busy. We've been trying to lock you down, but uh, finally, the week that Job disappears, <laughs> at least I had someone to talk talk with. Well, Otherwise, it'd just be me here sitting by myself. 
when he was when you were in Hawaii, <clears throat> I offered to help him, but he seemed to be really hell bent on wanting to do that podcast by himself, and I wasn't getting in the way of that rampaging bull. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, like he can do that sort of thing. <laughs> like he can sit there and chat to himself for three hours, uh, but I can't. I'm not that smart. So <laughs> oh, I don't think I could do it, and I talk a lot. Um, <laughs> I find it weird still doing, you know, voiceover stuff for videos because I'm like, I'm still talking to myself. I'm not telling anyone. Yeah. So I think it's probably, he's, he's gotten a lot more experience with that than I do, obviously. Mm, yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Well, should we talk about, uh, do you want to start off with some stuff you've been catching up on or do you want to talk about like the switch? Like whereabouts? It's up to you, man. I'm the guest. You tell me let's, what you want me to do and I will go in that direction. Let's start with the older stuff because that way people have to listen to the newer stuff. Oh, nice. Smart, smart thinking. It's not his first podcast, apparently. Yeah, 360 <laughs> of these motherfuckers. That's no, a lot, more. man. <laughs> yeah. We've, we're nearly at the point where you can do one a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> We've got to have a prize for someone who does that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. resolution. One uh, pod- oh, there'd be more than three sixty-five, right? Like yeah, with there the specials. Be. Yeah, we got we've passed it. <laughs> they get to listen to like us buying the Force Awakens tickets. And- <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah. All right, For Honor came out a couple of weeks ago. This is still one I haven't had a chance to play um, the full version of. We played a bit of the beta. Had a pro- had some some really bad issues in there uh, with connection problems and, and that sort of thing. But the actual gameplay was really interesting. I think it had some cool stuff surrounding it. It was just the 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 stuff holding it together. All the infrastructure was a bit dodgy. Um, so I haven't had a chance to get to that, even though I've got a copy sitting here that you be sent across. But what do you think of it? I think that it's. Um Oh my god! I, I, mean, I love Ubisoft, but it's it has to be said in light of everything that I'm pretty sure Ubisoft is a made-up word whose meaning is wait for the patch or patches because you know the, it had connectivity issues from the beta. From what I understand, I was overseas at the time checking out some Rainbow Six Siege stuff, which is a great sidestep because Rainbow Six Siege was pretty broken at launch and in dire need of lots of patches. Yep. And I guess Wildlands is less in need of massive patches from what we've played a little bit of a teaser of what we're going to talk about soon but um but still you know could do with some patches to kind of refine out some of the rougher edges um i think the biggest problem with uh for honor is is two two big problems start as peer-to-peer matchmaking service which i guess it technically it doesn't have to be that bad a thing if you look at consoles, I mean, they've been used to it for ages. Dedicated servers are fairly new in that space. And I guess from a cost perspective, like if you're looking at it purely practically, the idea of renting server space for, what is it, maximum of eight players? Yeah. Is probably not that feasible for a new IP. I would say. So, you know, this is me trying to play devil's advocate. This is me trying to look at why would you make that decision? Mm-hmm. I feel that some sort of like hybrid system, like what they have with Siege would have been better. But I mean, that obviously still requires dedicated service space. But I imagine if you're kind of buying it in bulk, like I, I don't know how Azure works, which is the Microsoft cloud service thing. But I imagine that it's not like Ubisoft is buying Rainbow Six server space specifically. They're just buying server space, right? 
Probably. So if you can just kind of chock on some more of that. And the great thing about it is that it's on demand. So it only fires up a dedicated server if there's people playing it. So you're not paying for stuff that you're not using. Technically, again, it depends on how Microsoft prices that. But that would be better because what you get is you get all of the sorts of problems that come with peer-to-peer. You totally reliant on that system picking the right host, mm-hmm. right? And if it doesn't, then everyone but the host has a bad experience. <clears throat> it's not a Twitch shooter like Call of Duty, which on console, even PC these days, I think, transitions between dedicated servers and peer-to-peer based on how many people are playing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so you're not having that sort of really obvious host advantage at least not what I played I played a few hours online and I didn't kind of experience any instances where I was like ah oh, that's bullshit then again I might have been the host I couldn't tell because they don't they don't provide numerical ping or latency which is a massive problem it's they, just the fucking color coded bars yeah color coded bars that are like three bars or four bars red and it's like is that good or is that yeah <laughs> is that bad yeah five orange bars i'm like so it's really average or it's <laughs> close to good but i was on like the, my better experiences with it i was on um servers where everyone seemed to have the same four i think it was green bars yeah so i couldn't you know like when you play cod back in the day and it was all peer-to-peer and all that shit you just immediately go and bring up the scoreboard to see who was host and who you had to avoid or who you had to hate. Um, and yeah, so my first game of For Honor was ruined by a host leaving. <laughs> that was my very first experience on launch, not even the beta. I'd heard you guys talking about how bad it was, the the networking side of things in beta, but I was overseas, so I didn't have a chance to take it for a spin. And by the time I got back, the beta was done. Yeah. Um, and I was keen to try it because, you know, you always want to, you want to, try it during that phase because you want to know what to expect and what to compare it to mm-hmm. like if it's gone from catastrophe to amazing great or if it's gone from average to average cool or, or you can see some of the bigger problems i think the core gameplay is great i had a shit ton of fun with it in preview but i feel like that was in lan and i went looking through the options to see if they had a lan option and they i couldn't find one so, I don't know. Maybe they had some impromptu servers set up or the fact that all the things were in the same space didn't really matter. But on LAN, obviously, we didn't have any of the connectivity issues. Yeah. Um, which, again, on a dedicated server, technically, they would be removed. And people who have shit latency should be punished versus those who have better stuff. But it was just, like, really sloppily set up, man. Like, the only way that I could after that first night where I was getting host disconnections, not me being the host disconnected from hosts playing games. The only time I could find matches after that was when I went through the quick search, like any match mm-hmm. after, when I went through individually trying to find different modes, I was stuck on a, a matchmaking screen that to their detriment was too transparent. Like it would say searching for players in your region and strict on skill and things like this, that within 30 seconds that would change to searching all regions and loose, basically loose on skill. Yeah. So I was like, fuck, I'm going to be matched up against these motherfuckers who've probably played the beta, who have figured out which character they want, which abilities they want for that character, and probably have some access to the gear, which leads nicely on to the second big problem with, well, I would say even bigger than peer-to-peer is the uh, the gear system and how it's tied to microtransactions. <laughs> oh, is it really? 
Yeah, uh, that well, was one of the things I was worried about. It's not in the sense like you can like most of these games. You can play, you can grind, you can get the stuff. And if you're enjoying a game, then it doesn't count as grinding. But if you're not, I feel like that that's bad. Like if it's incentivizing you to cough up money to feel like you're on an even playing field with the gear. Now I thought the gear was purely cosmetic because they've done. And I did a bit of research into this when I was writing up on it because you don't want to shit on it. You know, you don't want to automatically shit on something for microtransactions. It's a real big trigger word for everyone, right? Like if you write game has microtransactions, the, it, it's going to get a lot of hits. It's going to get a lot of eyes. It's going to cop a lot of hate in the comments. Not your story per se, but the game. And I don't think it's fair just to go. It has microtransactions, therefore it's shit. I think there is a way to do microtransactions. I think it it leaves a bit of taste in your mouth when you've played paid what? What do we pay for games? Hundred bucks, hundred twenty bucks for uh, a new game? An EB, and- yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you go, I, I don't, I don't buy anything at EB, but yes, like between seventy and hundred bucks. Yeah, a little bit cheaper. Usually ten bucks cheaper even at EB on PC, but you're silly if you're not using CD key websites, everyone. Um, to buy keys. <laughs> uh, I do it. Anyway, so <laughs> yeah. you go on there and you pay this and then you get into this game and you play multiplayer and then you've like been reminded that there's more money that can be spent to kind of... But it's all associated with a random number generator which is the, the most dangerous kind of microtransaction in my opinion because it is gambling. There is no two ways about it. When I couple years ago wrote an article for game informer about the science of loot Mm -hmm. so i talked to a couple of uh psychologists who work who are gamers or who work with gamers about why loot loot systems in games generally without the money involved why loot systems are so addictive and and they went into all this depth really fascinating depth about how it ties into really primitive parts of our brain and you know back in the day our forefathers or ancestors when they were, we were much less evolved, would, um, for instance, go looking for food and they might forage under a bush and they'll find some berries. So every time they see a bush after that, they think, ooh, there might be berries. So there's shit released in their brain that makes them go, this is exciting and anticipation, and they go check the bush and then there's no berries there. Now, you might think that that would deter them from looking for more berries or in the case of games that might deter you from looking for more loot if you just keep getting the same shit over and over again but it's the fact that you only get the good stuff rarely and they closely guard the numbers on this stuff which is why it's so interesting that china is trying to legislate that people have to be transparent about their drop rates and and things like that um uh they they closely monitor it to keep you coming back for more because you will do it a hundred times and you one time you'll get that amazing thing and that will keep you coming back the next 99 times but your brain is still getting the same dopamine hit for opening that chest or rolling the dice um so it's already kind of mentally manipulating you now it doesn't have to be a bad thing none of the the two guys i spoke to they didn't say thus it's bad but they compared it they said it's like the same experience of playing a poker machine um it's doing similar things to your brain doesn't necessarily have to be a negative, but sort of something that parents should be aware with, you know, with when they're buying games for kids who don't understand those systems. And certainly the um, classification board isn't really on top of that yet. Yeah. But the interview kind of, the interviews both ended with me asking about when does it get bad? And they both said, if money is involved. So 
microtransactions associated with random number generators are a very effective way to make money. It's been proven in the app space, you know, mm-hmm. iPhone, uh, iPhone games, these sort of clash of clan games that basically you get to a stage, they hook you in and you get to a stage where you have to spend money or you feel obliged to spend money and they make tens of thousands of dollars out of certain people. They call them whales. Um, and it's, yeah, so, sorry, rant. Uh, but lose a bad taste when it's on a full price game because those games, those apps are usually free to play. And if I, I think something like Dirty Bomb, which is a free to play game, but has microtransactions associated with a random number generator, has a better argument to make for why they have that system because yeah. the game is free to play than, say, if you'd paid 60 fucking bucks for it. And then on top of that, they're like, yeah, we're trying to hit your wallet again, man. Like, and it's not it's not meaningful content because it's unknown like imagine going to buy a round of dlc and it's randomized and you might just get the skins but someone else gets the actual gameplay content like that's a ridiculous example but the whole point is like paying for certainty at least then there's transparency like battlefield is doing it now actually they've got the microtransactions associated with their stupid fucking whatever their loot system is but it doesn't really matter because it only matters if you care about cosmetics there's nothing gameplay impacting and i don't care about cosmetics but in the past they used to offer after a certain period of time they would offer i think 20 bucks or something and you could get an entire series of unlocks for the engineer or whatever or specific classes yeah some people said that was shit but i was like i actually don't have a problem with that because uh, if you're time poor and you really wanted to get towards an unlock and you didn't have the time to get to it, then you could do it that way. That was an option, completely optional. And those people are probably not ever going to be able to outshoot me. So even if they have a gun that's technically better, it doesn't really matter. So I never really had a problem with that. I still thought it was a bit weird. Again, the idea of paying full price for a game and then stinging you for the deal season pass. And then they're trying to fuck you with microtransactions. Yeah. But going back to Ferrano. The gear offers um, perks. Like, like stats. Stat buffs. Yeah, but yeah. for every... for the, the way that they've tried to balance it is for every buff, there's a debuff somewhere else. But I haven't experienced enough of the gear to say this with absolute certainty, but in my mind, foreseeably, you could kit yourself out with the kind of gear that even though it might, I don't know, slow down, reduce your stamina or slow down your defense or something, but it could make you such a massive attacking demon that it kind of becomes redundant like if you have a tactic that works that is super aggressive super attacky and then you're able to pick gear that enhances that or enhances the damage or whatever your your system is i think that that's dangerous i think that that impacts uh the balance of the game it absolutely impacts the balance because it ceases to be a fair and level playing field um the only kind of thing they did to and, and you could actually you could tell like with Halo 5's requisition system you can tell that they've kind of implicitly acknowledged that it breaks the balance of the game because for For Honor they said it's not available like you, your gears your stat upgrades or your stat you know your buffs and debuffs mm-hmm. don't come into play on your gear when you're doing the 1v1 modes or the 2v2 modes yeah so they've said in our most competitive modes we don't want this feature however when it's 4v4 that's fine so I feel like if I jump back into that game right now, I'm going to get shat on because it's not going to be new people trying this game. It's going to be the dedicated few who've who've got it, who've persevered for the last 
you know, three weeks, um, <clears throat> who really like the core mechanics, which are great. You know, the, the whole combat system, getting into a fight, very satisfying when you start to master what seems like very simple controls, but becomes quite nuanced the more you get into it, especially with the different fighting classes and their respective strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's, it's good, man. It's fun. Like the game is fun. At its core, when you get all of the stars aligned, you can see what they're doing and you can see that they've knocked it out of the park. It's just some behind-the-scenes decisions. The peer-to-peer stuff started. It's always going to leave a bad taste in the PC players, uh, PC gamers' mouths, or the PC community is going to hate it. But the microtransactions tied to the gear system, which impacts like the 4v4 mode, which is probably, in my opinion, it's more fun. Yeah, and it's it's more accessible at least the four v four mode than the one v ones and the two v twos, because I feel like they're a little bit more hardcore, especially because they've said you know we don't want to impact the balance of those modes. We want it to be fair. So I'm I was playing the campaign. I've still got it installed. I fully intend on finishing the campaign. It's it's really nothing in terms of story. Like it's really just convenience after convenience. It's just filtering you through some epic action set pieces and fights, but. Yeah. The fighting mechanics I like enough to be going. You know what? This is um, this is fun. This is satisfying. This has got some you know Dynasty Warriors shit going on, but also little bits of chivalry. But it's more slower paced and 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 it's a sort of game like actually Rise. Did you ever play Rise? Um, I only played it at uh, some Microsoft events. I didn't actually play the full game. The most amazing thing about Rise is that you know it got pretty panned. Um, on release for Xbox One, which it should have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even I did. I, I think I six out of ten did. But like, that wasn't like a, a you know a middle of the rain. Oh, I'm just going to six it to say it's shit. Like, I actually genuinely enjoyed big parts of it, but it was deeply, deeply flawed game. Um, but on PC, uh, last time I checked, I'm pretty sure the Steam rating was something like very, very positive. Something like ridiculously high despite the fact that it was a connect game that was converted into something else that didn't really shy away from that too much there wasn't a whole lot of depth in the mechanics but it was just fucking satisfying to get into these fights and even though the executions um it didn't matter if you got the buttons wrong or whatever like that you still executed them you just didn't get your buffs and whatnot but it was just really satisfying to get into this gameplay flow of the hack and slash game but it's a little bit more tactical, a bit more methodical. For Honor seems to be like an extension of that kind of idea. Yeah. Um, and and the, the fact that the different classes are in there as well, and they really do play differently in terms of their their attacks and the strengths and the weaknesses. And, and, and when you come up against a certain class, as say a lighter class versus a heavier class, how you have to play that out and how you have to be a bit more aware that if they hit you once, you're losing half your health and stuff like that. Like it really does become kind of real-time chess i think was the example that i used when i previewed it so when you're experiencing these moments like even in the campaign to a lesser extent not that it's that hard man like i'm on the second hardest difficulty and i'm mainly pissing it in like it's just it's not super challenging except Mm. for the the boss fights are a bit satisfying but i don't know there's just this this like this it feels this kind of conan the barbarian thing about you know being this this like superhero back in the day who cuts their way through hundreds of people to get shit done 
and I'm enjoying that and I want to finish it and I you know I finished one of the campaigns already the night one and it forces you to go through and order night viking and samurai and I went halfway through the viking one and I'll get to the samurai one but I don't ever see myself getting back into multiplayer yeah like I feel like there's the microtransactions in the peer-to-peer like they can't fix that they can't patch that out right um it sounds like yeah I don't think they can they'd have no. to rework the entire engine yeah like the, so, the multiplayer how it works that's there to stay and I like like with any kind of promising new IP like Watch Dogs oh my god poor Ubi Watch Dogs had a great idea um not so great execution and I think that they really kind of enhanced like Watch Dogs 2 was better than Watch Dogs uh, we had a lot of fun with that when we played it not so long ago yeah there were things I did like about Watch Dogs 2 but also things I didn't like no it's not it's not by no means a perfect game but like the idea that when someone presents something like a game for the first time a new IP and you, see, you can see the potential of it like in Watch Dogs like in Frona yeah. I always kind of want it to sell well enough that they get to make a sequel so they can just fix the fucking fundamentals yeah and then like expand in other areas is kind of unexpected like uh, Assassin's Creed or yep. like Far Cry is another good example yeah the kind of 7 or 8 out of 10 games right like yeah. it's like I'm, I'm having a lot more fun than I should in this game that is you know got confusing game design and is a bit broken and why the fucking watchdogs is there this super dark revenge moody guy who's growling at me when it should probably be a whole lot lighter and fun because we're supposed to be the heroes here and you know whatever yeah but i didn't like that they turned it so drastically to a point where it seemed like it was ripping off grand theft auto Oh, they overcompensated. They, they overcompensated way too far. Like the yeah, they they took that memo and they went, "What's the opposite of dark and gritty? <laughs> Let's make it a joke." Yeah, yeah, it was it was a little bit off-putting for me. That's that's the way I felt about it. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah it sounds it sounds like for Honor, just the the microtransaction stuff. Like any any time they. That you are doing microtransactions and it's not cosmetic, purely cosmetic. That's when I'm like, ah, oh, I'm good, because it immediately comes as like a pay-to-win uh, scenario. So, well, it become like it becomes like, and strangely, on the Steam uh, forums, because I was looking, like, every time something has microtransactions associated with something that impacts gameplay, I always look Google that name plus pay-to-win, and yeah. I go read a few of the forums dedicated to it just to see what people are saying. And strangely, there was a big hardcore community defending it like defending the microtransactions which i didn't expect from pc gamers because it was on fucking steam yeah i was like what what is this and they're like no man just a noob like he's gonna learn to play like it doesn't actually impact anything and they were defending this decision behind something that shouldn't be part of the game what i find the strangest is that you've got rainbow six siege that's come out of ubisoft montreal which makes so many games and for honors come out of ubisoft montreal as well so for honor has mostly ripped off siege's approach to dlc which is great in that you know you can buy a season pass but all that does is give you you know a couple of fancy shit that you wouldn't normally get it gives you weak early access to characters that you don't have to pay for that are automatically unlocked but the maps uh everyone gets the new maps mm-hmm. and everyone can earn in-game currency i think it's steel to unlock the characters yep great that's what siege did worked really well but then it's like 
the high fives happened and then the siege guys left the room thinking oh yeah awesome that's that's going to give these guys a good heads up head start um with their new ip and then someone came in and said yeah can we do that but can we maybe like just put on this other way to make money out of the game as well well well, siege has cosmetics yeah but but you buy (laughs) you buy uh a form of in-game currency and then you use that on specific things it's not a random number generator yeah yeah like you buy certainty again i don't give a shit about the fucking cosmetics i hoard all my money uh to my in-game money to buy uh attachments weapon attachments i have never spent it on skins um and i know other people do but like i don't care about that i know a certain type of player does and they're the ones that they if they want to they can go and buy stuff and they have specials and all that raw but it doesn't impact gameplay and i think that's got to be the the number one thing right it does impact gameplay because when i'm running at you with the fucking skeleton face you're shitting yourself and your reaction time is slower, so I shoot quicker. <laughs> she always has that skeleton face, doesn't she? <laughs> Man, I love those skins. Some of those are really fucking good. Because uh, you gave me a key um, for Season Pass recently. Yeah, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I jumped in and um, they give you like credits to go buy some skins and all that sort of stuff with it as well. And I was like looking through all the skins to see what I could get. What'd you get? And all the packs. I didn't end up buying anything yet. Yeah, I did you know, I did the same thing. That a special recently. I'm like, these these things are cool. Like, they had yeah. the rock band ones for everyone. I don't know if you saw them. The only problem, ob- ostensibly, that I have with the skins is that Siege is so like... <laughs> you know like at a glance what operator like once you played enough you know what operator you're looking at if you've played enough you know their armor type you know uh speed and all that sort of stuff and by proxy the weapons by association the weapons that they have access to when i look and i see like new rook who's green i'm like who the fuck <laughs> is that yeah is he on my side so <laughs> Again, it's it's a it's the slightest of learning curves because once you've seen it once, you figure it out. It's fine. Yeah. But um, yeah, like when you're so used to a silhouette looking a certain fucking way and being a certain fucking color, and then you like it throws you for that microsecond. You're like, what the fuck is that? But man, siege, siege is fucking siege is in dire need of a patch. Should we talk about siege? We should. <laughs> we should talk about Siege. Yeah, let's do that. You've been playing it recently, right? Uh, yeah, I did play uh, quite a bit of it. So. Um I, I did get that key off you for the season two um, pass and jumped in, unlocked the operators. I actually really fucking like the operators. Uh, I said this a couple of weeks back. The the attackers, the attackers. I really enjoy playing the attackers team because I, I think they've got some really cool gadgets and they're exciting. You know, I like blowing walls up and all that sort of shit. But yep. with the defenders, I feel like that a lot of their stuff was too passive the people that I picked when I was defending it was usually like one of the trappers or yep. or just like smoke I didn't mind playing smoke so yeah he's active though yeah yeah he's he's, active like, I like playing active players that I, I, I yeah. like to roam around and do shit but with some of them you just can't really do much um, but I think the new uh, defender uh, the chick what's her name um, Mira Mira yeah, by that, like, at least makes you be able to defend, but also have, like, I think it's a huge advantage. Um, being able to see into another room and, and see what's going on, I think, is awesome. These two new operators, I think, are fucking amazing. I think they're great. They, they, some of the ones they've done are being quite boring. Like, the guy with the uh, the drone, I think he's really cool to kind of... 
in certain situations. But his downfall, I think, is that you need to be on the drone to, in order to use it, which means that you're a man down. Like, it's super beneficial to sit that in, like, a doorway somewhere and then when guys come out, disrupt them and, and knock them out and then have someone else on your team sort of run in and shoot them. But it just means that you're sitting on a drone the entire entire game just watching from a camera and that's not super fun uh whereas i think these new operators are really cool and interesting and they try they really change the meta in a, a really fascinating way yeah they've um i think uh it's clear that they've really wanted to disrupt the um roaming meta yeah. with jackal which is awesome but it means that if people are going to roam it basically makes caviera or caviera um an essential choice because her silent step doesn't make footprints um and and the great thing about playing jackal like if you've properly drained them out initially during the preparation phase and you know they don't have a cav it's fucking happy days is jackal man yeah. you go to the the farthest point on the map you pop or the highest lowest word depending on where they are you pop a window you go straight in and you put that thing down and as soon as you don't see footprints, you know no one's in there. So you don't have to waste time checking corners or droning shit out. You know what I mean? Like, you're just moving through and you're like, no, this is clear. Come in. And you get someone else to, else to drone out as well. Like, he's, he's so handy because the idea that, like, if people think about him as someone who's just looking for footprints, they're missing the point that if there are no footprints, and again, as long as you know there's no cav in play, um, then that's information as well. The absence yeah. of footprints is information crucial information and it speeds up the attacker's phase for getting closer to the objective or it puts roamers on the back foot which is important because roamers kind of dominate like one one or two great roamers who are patient who have the good hiding spot who are willing to move late in the piece or have that information or it's like a velk tells them when exactly to come back like they do amazing flanks and they just clear out you know two or three in one hit and doesn't matter if they die after that and the reason Mirror's awesome is because for people who used to defend the site, like the, the two or three or whatever, however many people you play with, but the people who st actually stay on site to wait for the people to come in and kind of slow stuff down, they were kind of dependent on the either the roamers getting kills or um, the attackers breaking in before they actually did anything. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you can pop a mirror down and you can be feeding intel back to people and the ways that those things are used cleverly, like people pop them on non-reinforced walls, um, so they just shoot as soon shoot as they see the people. Yeah. Or the better one, the smarter one, because it protects you for longer, is to have one reinforced wall and then next to it have an unreinforced wall and you just peek out and you just wall bang them. Fucking awesome so as soon as you see a mirror as attacker that forces you to slow down you're like oh shit like who's watching me and because you can't see in you don't know if they are watching you or if yeah. they're not watching you. if anyone's so, even there so you assume that they are watching you but the great the other great thing is if they go if they have a mirror and she's the only one on site and you kill her as an attacker then it flips because if you haven't popped those canisters you get to watch the defenders racing back <laughs> and you have all the information so she's a bit of a risk reward i guess in that sense more reward than risk but yeah i really like that what the what ubisoft montreal seems to be doing at least what i hope they're doing is they've got a lot of plans for a lot of different operators and their ideas are that they want to disrupt specific fixed parts of the meta so they just throw in a couple of curveballs every time yeah yeah because a competitive scene can always ban them if they don't work, if they're considered too overpowered or 
whatever. But like for everyone else, it's just like we know it's going to hit a point after some patches or whatnot that these new operators, like Buck, when Buck first came out, he was shit. He was utter, utter garbage. But they've patched him to make his skeleton key shotgun actually do what it's supposed to do. And at six invitational, he was deadly. Hmm. Because the, the whole idea of um, like people protecting or defending on a, on a horizontal plane instead of taking into account that someone might be able to attack from below or above and watching what these guys do with these pros do with grenades they cook them to the point where they basically become C4 toss them at the floor in the expected camping spots or if they've got intel on when someone is and it works like C4 like it instantly kills them mm. if you get it right amazing yeah it's such a good game with such awesome awesome potential but this is where we get on to the stuff uh, I think they've broken some shit in the last patch. Hit registry is worse for me, man. Like, it's infuriatingly worse since the most recent patch. I have had the drop on people, have been shooting them in the back, in the back of the fucking head, and my shots don't register, so they get to turn around and they shoot me. And I'm just like, there's nothing worse than your shots not registering, because what it does is it makes you, well, I don't know about you, but it makes me spray. Okay, yeah. Like, if I'm like... I'm gonna because I tap fire and I fire in small bursts, but if my hits don't connect, then I just go fuck it and I just go full auto because I'm like, hang on, this isn't working, this isn't working. Um, so for my and and bear in mind that you can pick weapon attachments, specifically the the barrels in this instance, mm-hmm. that um, complement how you like to shoot. There is one. There's a compensator or a barrel attachment for people who like to fire full auto, for people who like to single tap fire, for people who like to burst fire. And so I've got all of mine, except for the DMRs and the pistols, on burst fire because that's how I do the majority of my shooting. So if that fails me, if that hit registry lets me down, then the game, the whole entire immersion, the whole tension, the, the game falls apart. You stop having fun, you get frustrated, and that throws your game off because... You've got an unfair death that wasn't your fault at all, and you're just there going, fuck this. Like, that's fucking bullshit. Yeah. And I think what makes it worse is that they've said, they've put it on, their nuts on the line and said, this whole year we're focused on the health of the game. We're going to be working on matchmaking, hit registry, you know, latency, all these right stuff. But it seems like, in my mind, I assumed that we'd be taking steps forward, but it seems like we've taken a step back hmm. um, before they can go forward. So I'm hoping that when this mid-season reinforcement patch drops, and that won't be until end of March, beginning of April, I think. Yep. Um, if they only do it halfway between every three months. Uh, I hope that it fixes the hit register again, because that, like, yeah, there were, there were times in the past when the hit registry was really, really bad, and they've kind of fixed it a bit, yep. but there's nothing worse than the feeling that it was bullshit. Not because you both shot each other in the face and it favored them over you but because you had the drop on someone and you can actually see that your shots didn't register because they're on 100 fucking percent health in the kill cam and he's like what the fuck <laughs> yeah um how do you find the invitational because you went was, to that yeah it was uh, it was great it was it was awesome to watch people playing at the the highest uh, level of the game and I think the cool thing about it, and I'm you know a bit of a PC elitist, obviously, but it's the kind of game that you can watch people playing on Xbox or console as well when they're really, really good yeah. because of how it's been designed. And it's been designed to be uh, tactical first and 
you know, great shooting and great aim and all that stuff comes second. Like, you don't need to be a very good shot if you get the drop on a guy and you end up behind him. Mm-hmm. On console, especially. On PC, there was one instance where this dude, um, <laughs> he dropped through a hatch, had the drop on this guy, started firing, but like fired chest instead of head, and the dude flick shot, spun around 180, one, one tap headshot him. <laughs> yeah. And I've had that happen to me actually recently in Siege, um, shooting a guy from behind. But I was stupid. I was going for chest shots instead of headshots. Had the drop on him, went for the chest shots to try to down him. I don't know why. He was the last guy left alive, even though I was Cav. Uh, and he flicked. He just flicked and headshot me. And I was like, oh, fair enough. I got four other kills. I won't get the ace. That's fine. But <laughs> but I was just like, like, that shit happens on PC. But on console like your placement your awareness of where the enemies are is so much more important because you can't you can't flick mm. so strategy becomes more important and I think yeah, yeah. not that it's not important on PC like watching strategy plus immaculate aim or amazing aim was great I don't like that drop shot has become a thing in Siege and I hope that they fucking fix that well, what do you mean Call of Duty <clears throat> do you ever play much COD back in the day yeah People would hold prone and fire. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And then you're aiming chest or head, and they would drop, and it obviously changes their hitbox the whole way down. But then you're no longer aiming at them, and they are assuming that you're not going to drop shots. So they basically just have this massive advantage on you. Uh, people are starting to do that in Siege, and I'm not a fan. I, I hope they add some sort of cooldown for shooting to deter it, to be honest, because I don't think it has any fucking place in. <laughs> you know, it has a place in COD, because that's that kind of shooter I don't think it has a place in Siege yeah yeah um, yeah one thing that I did once the Invitational finished I went through and because I looked at all the stats of what was going on like who's the most picked operators uh, and, and that sort of cool shit I went yeah. took off all my silences from all my guns because <laughs> like nobody uses them in Pro League no did you notice that they all had um, red dots as well a lot of them had red dots on their guns I, I thought it was ACOGs as well no, ACOGs is, is universal. Oh, so you mean red red sights for hipfire? No, no, I mean the red dot, like, oh, underbarrel. Okay. Yeah, sorry, yes, yes, yeah, for yeah. hipfire, yeah. Um, they, they didn't just have them on their pistols or their shotguns either. They had them on their primaries. And watching videos online of, like, higher-level people playing, and you can see that you tap fire from the hip, and you get that crosshair on them, and there's people, like, pulling off headshots and shit. I'm like, holy fuck. Because so, I was always of the opinion that... They can see the red dot, yeah, you can so you're at a disadvantage, yeah. and and like it forces you to to pull your aim into the wall, and then you kind of have to flick, because if you don't want to give away your position, because I've I've killed people from spotting their their lasers. I'm like, yeah, I know where you are. I know exactly where you're aiming as well. Yeah. Or I've been peeking outside, and then I see someone peeking back at me because you see the the red dot when they're aiming at you. Like mm. you see this like like flare effect so you just aim a little bit higher than that and you get a headshot like I think it's a massive disadvantage uh, but I've started adding them to my shotguns because fuck me man those yeah. shotguns from the hip I mean they've overcompensated on those but remember they were bullshit for a time like you would be killing people at 20 or 30 meters with a shotgun from yeah. the hip so that needed to be fixed but they've fixed it now and, and like I can't even kill a fucking drone that I've hit head on that's 5 meters <laughs> away shotgun and I'm like what the fuck is happening here yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to ask you is, wh- where are the Australian operators? What's going on? What's the lowdown? Um, I asked the creative director that, <laughs> and he said, um, <laughs> he said, look, 
is not entirely up to me, which I don't believe. Come on, you're the creative director, man. This is this is your game that you've made, and I think Ubisoft would be very happy with you um, because you've created so- this this thing that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger um, out of something that had quite a rocky launch. But I said, yeah, when are we getting Aussie operators? He said, look, if it was just up to me, I want them in the game. I really want them in the game. And I said, I'm assuming not year two, which is this year. And he said, he said year three, why not? <laughs> so yeah. I'm, hope, I'm hoping next year. I don't know what they would be. And I don't like, I think the thing is that if, if Siege lasts long enough, I think every every part of the world that has the special forces will eventually be represented because what they've said they noticed was you know how they did the Japanese operators not so long ago yeah they said that when they released the Japanese operators people in Japan started playing like more people in Japan started playing Siege yeah because they were like oh, our region's being represented same thing with like the Brazilians as well like they noticed this this peak because it's like this like oh yeah man they've got uh, do you hear they've got the Aussies in there or something so all these Aussies want to jump in and see what it is I find it ultimately kind of a bit nothing though because it doesn't like they they seem to just randomly assign gadgets right like it's not like playing as an australian operator actually means anything if you know what i mean like in, in you might get play sense. australian guns like the weapons or um uh, that sort of thing I, I don't know if they're gonna give the australian guy like a giant fucking knife or something or a giant spoon <laughs> but but like to me in my mind when they're creating an operator they they start and I talked to them about this how do you create an operator and they t- they said that we want to upset the meta when we when we're creating new operators so yeah. in in my mind they're picking the fucking gadgets first and they're picking the country second right like because it yeah. doesn't really matter like yeah. how is you know um, fuses little wall penetrating grenade launcher quintessentially russian it's not or glaz's fucking sniper rifle that you don't look at that and go oh my god that's russian i mean if it was fucking one of them had a bear trap sure <laughs> i'd be like yeah that's russian yeah maybe <clears throat> hmm. all right well seeds are still good except for the spawn <laughs> except for the patch have you um, had the spawn killing recently uh I haven't had it recently, but uh, sorry, I've had it. Like it's always been an issue, and I, I think they need to change it to like a uh, at least a, a second cooldown or something quite low. I think it should be zero seconds. Um, I think it should be zero seconds at least for the first thirty seconds, so that what what's happened lately is that people have found on certain maps that they can pre-break a window and then jump out and run, and even though it's two seconds it really turns out to be closer to three, three and a half when you take like latency into account and then people on the other team being notified that you're outside and they lob C4 towards... Yep. I got killed um, by some cunt (laughs) running out and like I was literally dead before I had the notification that they were outside. Yeah. So that is some fucking shit. Um, So yeah, I I asked them about that as well because they... They sort of said, oh, what would you like to change? What would you like to see changed? And I said, um, I don't like the two-second thing. And I think, you know, to be fair, it's controversial because it has a place. It has a place um, for, like, a defender, a roamer upstairs having to return to, say, a bomb site below. And because good attackers or smart attackers will plan and then they'll go back outside, won't they? Because that's yep. where they're safest. And they know that if someone's running around the outside of the building, they're going to be, no- like, seen. So I think that either... 
or, or both maybe 30 seconds at the beginning or 10 15 whatever like that people can't run outside they can still shoot from the fucking windows i mean it's cheesy but whatever it's risk reward fair enough um but they can't run outside for the first fucking 30 seconds or 10 20 whatever just enough that you can get out of your spawn right and you don't feel like you have to wait for this dickhead who might be throwing C4, so you wait for them to explode it, and then you tease them to be in cum. Um, or they can keep it off the whole time, like it's zero seconds, until the the roll switch. Because once the attackers put the bomb down or get the hostage, they become the defenders, right? Yeah. Like they are defending the point of interest. Um, no, and also, I don't, I don't like, like that one. one. <laughs> you don't, don't like what? I don't like the roll switch thing you're talking about. Uh, no, I'm like, saying like you turn it back on, like you turn back on the two second timer. Yeah, once yeah. Switches. I still think there should be a very small window, maybe a, a second, but because there there are situations where you do want to run from one floor to another, and you can probably do it quite quickly. But uh, like Hereford Base, you've got the the two floors that are connected, um, and you can run from one to the other, but yeah, the stuff of being used to spawn killers is kind of shithouse. Well, that, and that's it. They don't want that. Like, they acknowledge that spawn killing is bad. So this whole idea that, you know, like, if you've got a system that is currently... It's part of the game, so it's not they're not, like, really glitching per se. They're not really cheating. They're just being cunts. But if you don't want that part of your game, and I would say they don't, because they've you can't run outside during the preparation phase anymore, whereas you used to be able to. Well, they, they also fixed it so that you couldn't... Um, they went through and updated all the maps so that you couldn't actually shoot people from the spawn. Like, they, they started putting blocks in so that... Yeah, and they changed the spawns as well. Yeah, they changed the spawns. They started putting uh, objects in certain areas so that, you, uh, so that the attackers wouldn't get killed within the first couple of seconds. Yeah, because the whole idea is it's a siege. You're supposed to be attacking a defended position. Yeah, not the other way around. Not the other way around, yeah. And, and I think that if that's part of their core game design, which it is, like, they showed um, a picture... Uh, of a medieval siege it sounds really weird but when Xavier was first pitching it to his team of 20 they started only with 20 people making this game because they'd cancelled Patriots internally which still makes me sad and they were like trying to build a Rainbow Six game out of the ashes of Patriots He his pitch uh, his first picture that he showed to his team was this medieval siege old as fuck painting mm-hmm. where there's dudes with a ram. There's some dudes who've smashed a ram into a wall and there's defenders up top firing arrows, you know, waiting with swords and all this stuff. And he said, that is the feeling that I want to encapsulate here. That is the game that I want to make. And you can see that, that has been translated in the game, asymmetrical gameplay, attackers playing a different role to defenders and very defined role. So if you don't want them to go outside, then just make it so they don't go outside. Like draw a line in the fucking sand and just say, no, you don't go outside. Either you get killed if you do it in the first 10 seconds, because like that's what happens in the preparation round, right? Yeah. If you run outside as a, a defender, you get sniped by the Overwatch. That's part of the narrative, fine. Yeah. Wind up, make that part of the first 10 seconds. So immediately, spawn killing with C4 fucking disappears because you can't do it anymore. And if you haven't moved from your spawn in 10 seconds, then maybe you deserve to die, I guess. I don't know. But And the other thing is immediate like yeah if you made it zero seconds they're immediately spotted you still as an attacker have to look around for where that person is right yeah so 
when someone comes outside, they've been outside for two seconds, maybe two and a half, three seconds by the time latency kicks in and you get the warning that they're outside and then you've got to snap your head around to find them. So they've got a huge advantage unless you know which way they're coming from, like mm-hmm. unless you're anticipating it. You, they have a massive advantage on pushing outside. So there's already the advantage there. I think that we'll see that change in the future. I think we'll see it tried. I think we'll see people complain about it. And those people are the people that will be the cunts that love going outside instead of defending inside. Like, make it a bit more challenging. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Should we move on? No. Yeah. Keep talking about Siege for the next hour? No, no, no. (laughs) Uh, Halo Wars, you played... uh, Is this out or is this... Yeah, it's out. It It was out, pretty sure... Same Valentine's Day, same as For Honor. Ooh, all right. Well, I didn't hear much about it, so. <laughs> well, it was you know Windows Store release or yeah. Xbox One. So you're either playing it on Xbox One or you're playing it on Windows 10. <laughs> if you don't don't have Windows 10, then you're not playing it on PC. So what's the uh, verdict? It's great. It's good. It's really, yeah, it's a really good game. I recently played replayed halo wars they released the definitive edition they called it on pc which was just an hd remake uh and it was uh not so good going back to that game it has not aged well the pathfinding is garbage a lot of some of the level design particularly the later ones is really lazy when the flood comes in because the flood is just the bane of fucking halo they're just the worst faction that should have never ever been part of it but anyways they were um, so their missions are really shit and boring and not as interesting as the Covenant ones but move forward to Halo Wars 2 and uh, they didn't really have that problem without giving too much away but it's gorgeous on fucking Windows 10 it has in my opinion the best in genre sound design has a dynamic music system mm-hmm. that changes like if you're just base building it's really kind of chill and then if you get attacked it rises a little bit or if you go and attack one person it goes up for a little bit and goes back down and then if you get into a battle it rises 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 um and also lots of little dialogue diversity just different inflections online so it's not just the same fucking guy every time going yes sir yes sir yes sir you know when you click on a unit yeah and they also have contextual responses to what you tell them to do if you send one grunt uh one soldier sorry up against a fucking tank kind of complains at you (laughs) like he does it that doesn't stop them from doing it but he just kind of whinges at you and it's just like these little touches where you can see that they've kind of thought what can we add to the genre instead of just like how do we create some fucking rts clone and slap halo on it and it's clearly been made more by creative assembly uh, the Total War Makers than um, 343 Industries, which is great. I don't know why they didn't push that more. When you tried to ask them about the percentages of who was making what, they, they talked around and they ummed the nerd, but because I finished the fucking game and <laughs> when the credits roll, Creative Assembly's like first mentioned. They get first billing and they get all of their people mentioned before 343 does. So one would assume, and why wouldn't you want to say, hey, yeah, the strategy guys are making this and we're just kind of producing it? Mm-hmm. Whatever. But... Um, it's got a good learning curve, I found. The campaign's not super long, but I was playing on normal because I intended on I'm hoping someone else will buy it because um, I would love to play it again on hard or even legendary uh, cooperatively because you can play the entire campaign co-op. But it gets fucking tough towards in little bits in the middle and towards the end with the exception of the final mission, which was just the biggest joke of a final mission I've ever played. Considering that some of the other missions had kicked my ass and I'd had to restart them, um, the final mission was laughably easy but also blitz should like blitz is cool man like a 
customizable card game or sorry a digital card game like fucking hearthstone or something meets an rts yeah uh except the microtransactions again are obviously a problem especially because the they're tied to a random card pack system and the more card packs you get if you get the same cards it actually levels up the card instead of you having a card that you would burn or discard or just have doubles of it buffs the your existing card <laughs> so that's a problem but mm. i only played it by myself and that was shitloads of fun against the computer playing against endless waves and uh you can't win it like you can't win it they just get bigger and harder and more of them in higher difficulty and they end up stomping on you so you're really just chasing uh, like a pinball machine the highest possible score yeah uh, but yeah man i dug it like and especially you play strategy games much you don't do um used to not so much these days so i was a massive massive fan of um battle for middle earth did you ever play that um no no i didn't play that the Lord of the Rings strategy game, which, you know, probably at face value reeked of just, you know, a clone. Like, it's what I talked about before. Like, a let's put Battle for Middle Earth, so let's put Lord of the Rings on every genre that we fucking can and milk this cash cow, kind of like the Warhammer franchise. Lol. But um, it was great. Like, it, it was an awesome game. And uh, the original one, I didn't like the second one so much, but the first one was really interesting because you had fixed bases. Mm-hmm. Like, you couldn't expand outside of them. You couldn't just build a shitload of towers around or your resources outside your base to protect them. You had kind of had to um, move your military around in a certain way, and, and if you were getting attacked, you had an advantage, I guess, early on if your army was in the base and you could send them out and they were going up against your defenses. But... Um, you really kind of it was more tactical so it's less concerned about dealing with the macro bullshit of um, base building which was part of it but like you didn't have to worry about structure placement as much and you didn't have to worry about resource gathering anywhere near as much so it really was just about battles and on top of that they had the Warcraft 3 idea which was to like they ripped that off which was the hero units so you had like your familiar faces from the movies or the books, but like they were really kind of super powerful. So you could send one leveled up hero up against a small army and they would kick the shit out of it. Yeah. Um, so you could have like multiple armies where certain armies were just one or two heroes working together. I didn't yeah, like any of that stuff. <laughs> you didn't <laughs> like it, honest. but that's what I mean. Like it was controversial, and that's and that, if you didn't like that, you probably wouldn't like Halo Wars because they've they've got the fixed bases. Uh, there's a little bit more forgiving in that you can unlock certain turrets and there's certain sort of places that you can garrison out in the world, and there's an unlock that you get later on that that drops a turret into the world temporarily, so you can kind of bolster the defenses. Um, but it really like for me, it puts the emphasis on just putting your army up against another army, your scissor paper rock army up against another scissor paper rock army. You know what I mean? Like, Oh shit, they've got a lot of air units. So you go and you bring in the units to take down the air units, but it really is just testing, uh, unit variants against other unit variants and, and more about less about your base. Sorry, less about building some sort of bullshit little base in the fog of war that just has towers around it. So you constantly have your army falling back to it and they're getting healed and the other guys are trying to push on you, but they're getting killed by the towers. Like less about that and more about just knowing I don't have to worry about that. Like I've just got to worry about the units out on the battlefield. Yeah. When, when they did that with Warcraft, um, like they're having the hero units introducing them. I, I wasn't really a big fan and they, uh, Blizzard did the same thing with Starcraft too. Um, where, 
pretty much every single map that you went through had a hero unit that you had to kind of guide. Um, I just wasn't, I don't know, it just wasn't my thing. I, it, it turned out being more like a mini MOBA um, as opposed to like a strategy game with controlling all these different like stacks of units. Um, just felt like you were guiding around this hero unit to just wipe everything out and I, I just uh, didn't like any of that stuff. Yeah, sorry, I, I went off on the wrong point, didn't I? So yeah, you didn't like the hero part. Okay, that's, that's yeah. fair enough. Uh, Halo doesn't have that i mean it has powerful units yeah it has um i guess it has units you would call hero units but they're not so op that you would just send them out against an army in fact if you send you one spartan out against a fucking group of two or three you know uh, clusters of units you probably get beaten <laughs> unless you're microwing him and using his uh, special abilities or her special abilities there's a, a lady spartan in there as well yeah yeah but I dug it, man. And, like, cool. that's... Obviously, I'm a Halo fan from the older days, but Halo 5 kind of broke me, man. I thought I was done with that franchise. Um, and while I liked the idea of a Halo Wars 2 and I liked what I played in preview, I wasn't really expecting it to make me interested in Halo again. But uh, the guys over at Blink who did the videos, like, they... Do you know about Blink? Yeah. Blink? Yeah, they're awesome. Um, they did all the cutscenes, and my god, their storytelling—even though they've given like two or three minute chunk yep. to to make something—is amazing. Obviously, they've been given the scripts, but the way that they execute that. So uh, the new AI, uh, Isabel, is really really interesting, um, especially considering what happened in fucking Halo Five and made me hate <laughs> a certain AI uh, who I used to love, but. Yeah, so, like, it was not the best Halo story, but it was, like, interesting storytelling, and it showed that there was still stories to be told in this world that were interesting. Um, and I would love to play another Halo Wars game, for starters, but also, I, you know, I mean, I'll obviously have a look at whatever Halo 6 turns out to be, but fuck, I hope that they come out and acknowledge some of the bullshit that went into Halo 5. Not that they'll let me anywhere near it, right? Probably not. No. Your job. Your job by association. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. What's uh, what else you got on here? Ukulele. Yeah, that's fun. Did you ever play Banjo Kazooie? Yeah, man. That was tell me awesome. about it. Good stuff. Tell, tell me about Banjo Kazooie because I never played it. Um, a it was a, a platforming game with puzzles, and you played uh, two characters. Well, sorry, you played one character, but um. Basically, there were two people and they had different abilities and you could do different things with them. Um, very bright, colorful type game. I played it on the N64. I think that's where it was first released. They, they made yeah. a couple of them. Yeah, they eventually put it on Xbox. I'm pretty sure Xbox 360 because it was yeah. Rare and then Microsoft bought Rare, right? Yeah, yeah. So, they really, I think they made two of them. Uh, and then yes. a racing game as well. Yes. Off the top of my head. Uh, so, they're the, they're the three games that I played, and um, obviously the racing game wasn't anything to do with the other one, but uh, other than the, the characters and, and all that sort of stuff, it's more like a Mario Kart ripoff. Um, whereas was you that play, good? Where, yeah, yeah, it was pretty... I thought it, I The racing it. game was still good? I liked it. Um, okay. Whereas uh, Banjo-Kazooie was like a Mario 64 ripoff, so... Yeah. Uh, but, man, I, yeah, that game was great. So, a lot of what you've just described 
is ukulele. I mean, they've unashamedly basically said it's Banjo-Kazooie 3, except for the bits where they get sued. So it's close enough away that they're not infringing on the Banjo-Kazooie IP, but it's got ex-Banjo-Kazooie devs, it's got some ex-Donkey Kong devs, which I find very exciting because I love the original Donkey Kong Country. Yeah, man. Actually, I never played that. I did, no. I played bits of it, but I played Donkey Kong Land, which was the... Uh, Game Boy port, and that was the first game I 100%ed. Like, I loved the oh, fucking okay, shit yeah. out of that. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Donkey Kong Country was an amazing game. Oh, yeah, that's on SNES. Though. I didn't get a. I wasn't allowed a SNES. My dad fucking lied to me, bastard. <laughs> that's another kettle of fish for a counseling session. But um, I ended up getting a Game Boy, and so I played Donkey Kong Land on that. And yeah, man, it was such a such a really simple game, but challenging at the same time. So more challenging than I'd found Mario games in the past. Oh yeah, they were definitely hard. <laughs> and I've actually gone back since to revisit the 3DS one because I never played enough of it, and that's awesome too. Um, but no, I don't play my 3DS much, unfortunately. But anyways, the yeah, ukulele is, and, and this is coming from the perspective of someone who never played Banjo-Kazooie, but I always regretted that I never played it because everyone I talked to raved about it. I never had a 64 as well. So, Ukulele is that sort of similar sense of humor. It's sort of kind of a bit like Sesame Street where it mainly seems to be aimed at kids, but there's these little innuendos that would go over a kid's head that are clearly there for adults. Like, yeah. there's a character called Trouser, and he's a snake. Yeah. So, yeah, trouser snake. <laughs> um, he's he's in there, but like in terms of its gameplay, it's just got that addictive gameplay loop down pat. Where someone who's a collector like fiend, I'm not the kind of guy who played Assassin's Creed and collected the fucking flags, the feathers, but like the feathers of the flags. But like if there were anything kind of lower than that, anything mid tier, and and you would have seen it playing Ghost Recon Wildlands with me. Like I want to get everything in an area i want to clear it out i don't want to fucking have to climb up forty thousand feet to get something that ultimately doesn't impact anything but what you're collecting in banjo because banjo because ukulele is impacts the gameplay so you're collecting quills yeah quills let you unlock new moves and new moves let you do new stuff in worlds that you have already unlocked that you couldn't do before yep and then on top of that you're finding the bigger thing which is pages ripped from books and those let you unlock new worlds but they also let you unlock new parts of existing worlds and you can after the first world you can choose to do that in um, whatever order you want so for instance you can unlock the first world well you have to unlock the first world but then you can choose to go unlock world 2 or any of the other worlds out of the 5 yep um, once you've got enough pages or you could just fully pimp out world one with all of the little extra sections yeah this that's exactly like the way sort of mario and the original um banjo oh, works like you would collect in mario you would collect like stars and then you'd go to uh once you have a certain amount of stars you go to the next painting and, and that sort of stuff but like correct me if i'm wrong I, mario kart not mario kart mario 64, 64 yeah never had like you wouldn't unlock more parts of the same world you just unlock new worlds right um <sighs> I have a feeling that, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, no, I, I don't think, I don't think you did. I, I don't I think you did, but one. you'd always go, you'd rate, like, each world kind of had, like, 10 stars you could get. And every time you went in there, you'd go and try and do a different objective. Um, but I don't think, 
Maybe it did. Like, maybe the world did change once you did certain stuff. I, I, I'm not 100% sure. But I don't think you ever unlocked anything. I, no, you definitely didn't unlock anything in Mario. But I, I think there were situations where you would do something. And the next time you went into that world, like, that stuff would have changed it completely. Uh, right. I could be making shit up, though, because that was, what, 15 plus years yeah. ago? 20 years was it ago. part of Banjo-Kazooie, then? Uh, the uh, unlocking parts of worlds or just unlocking the worlds? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's like kind of a new recall. thing that they've yeah. added, but it, it makes a lot of sense. But, but like, there's so much to do in these worlds. Like, there's that cool little kind of open world mentality, uh, or the better open world games that I've played, like Skyrim and whatnot, where you want to go and do one thing, but you're constantly getting distracted by other things that pull for your attention. Yeah. And I love those sorts of games, and that's exactly what this game was was doing. You know, I played the first ninety minutes. Well, I played ninety minutes, I should say, because I was able to do basically whatever I wanted uh, in two worlds. But it was awesome, just like all the sorts of little things you could do, like cruising around and then meet this cloud guy who wants to race me, so I race him, and then um, when I return back to the course later to collect quills, I find this little secret hidden passage that has a play coin and then I go up above me and I find that there's this guy called T-Rex or some shit who <laughs> runs retro arcade machines and I give him the play coin and that then unlocks this arcade machine so I can play this old school top down uh, racing game like that reminds me of Offroad I think it was like there was a game I used to play with my brother's uh, as a as a kid, and it was fucking amazing. They got really hard, and it was a sort of like top down perspective racing game. And you go over jumps and whatnot, but there'd be different pickups that you could get. And you'd have to get the pickups to beat the hardest guy, and like it just reminded me of that. But micro machines, it, oh, something like micro machines, absolutely. <laughs> you can yeah. play it by yourself, but you can also in the final game apparently play it with up to four people. And anytime you've, I think you've. Once you unlock an arcade, you can just go visit the arcade from the main venue, yeah. and you can just play these, these mini games with people, like party games, essentially. So it's got games within games, and then obviously the, the cool thing was like you, apart from the first two powers where you can only pick from three. After that, I think you've got pretty free reign to unlock what you want. But like for me to have access everything in that first world, I'm pretty sure I would have had to unlock at least four or five different powers. Yep. And to do that, I have to collect the right amount of quills to do it. So they're constantly being incentivized to think about not which ability do I want, like in a classic RPG system in any game, like fucking Far Cry or whatever, which I call out because that usually has really terrible unlocks. Like 90% of them are shit. So it's really easy for you to go, oh yeah, this is the path I'll take, whatever. Mm -hmm. A really good game makes you go fuck, if I get that one, then I can go do this part of this world or I can go beat that boss, but I can't do this, so I have to wait to do that, but I really want to do that now. Like, you're constantly going, which one do I want next? And if there's, like, compelling reasons for each one, mm -hmm. then that's that's good. That's what you want, right? That's what keeps you coming back. So about the only bad thing about it, and this might be a Banjo-Kazooie thing, it's probably a fucking Mario thing as well, Yeah, is there's no dialogue it just has characters going like this with fucking text coming up on the screen and it is the yep. most grating noise. That is, yep, that's Mario and Banjo-Kazooie. 
I just I hope that there's an option to just disable the sound for it because I have no problem reading it. Like some of the jokes are funny. I don't mind reading the stuff, but that fucking noise and certain things you couldn't skip. Like you're supposed to be able to. I think hopefully it was just a bug, but certain bits of dialogue you couldn't actually fast forward through them. So you were there just <laughs> like trying to mash the keys to catch. Oh my god! Can you just please fuck off? You're actually ruining my experience with this game. <laughs> yeah. Well, not enough to make you hate it or whatever, but like. If you're going to be playing massive session, that especially if someone's like kind of in the background having to hear it, I can't imagine it'll go over too well. Mm. So, is that getting retail release or is it just Kickstarter it is. still? No, or? it started as a Kickstarter and then it grew and grew and grew. And um, it's Five Star Games is handling it locally, but I think Team Seventeen from memory picked it up. Okay, cool. That's kind of expanded. So there will be box copies. It's coming to. Everything I'm pretty well. Everything is kind of new. So Xbox One, PS4. I'm pretty sure Switch is getting it as well, and PC. Nice. That will be one I definitely check out. Yeah, and yeah, lots of fun. And, and again, like I'm sure that someone like you who played the older games wants to play it because of the pedigree of the older Banjo Kazooie yeah. uh, games. But for me, who never played it and kind of wondered about that appeal, like I've jumped in on one. This is cool, man. This is cool as shit. I, I want to play more of that. So, yeah, it's great. That's right. Um, all right, Sniper Elite 4. This is uh, one that I, I also uh, wanted to play, but never got a chance to, because I, I think I was away or something. Uh, uh, I might yeah, have been I overseas. You were going away, or you were just about to go away or yeah, whatever. Yeah, but I really wanted to play it. Uh, Job didn't seem too crash hot on it. Really? Yeah, like, because I, 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 I don't think he played too much of it. No, I mean, he only played what we played. We played two missions. Um, it has a massive problem with its fucking learning curve. I'll tell you that. That first mission is hard as shit. Yeah. Uh, the second mission I actually found easier. The only reason we didn't finish the second mission and the guilty party is standing right in front of me now giving me headbutts is because the fucking ginger cat, otherwise known as Pat, was behind my computer and literally kicked out the power cable. <laughs> That was... I spent the next couple of hours troubleshooting why my fucking networking adapter wasn't working. But anyways, so we got really far in, in that. Um, and it's a lot of fun because it, they've really embraced kind of modern stealth game design in that you can start some shit in an area and while the people in that area will get fucking aggro and come and try to get you it's not a game breaker it's not a hard fail or anything like that you kind of roll with the punches and that's where the fun comes from so Joby and I would always try to be stealthy the best laid plans kind of like us playing Wildlands Uh, but when that shit fell apart it was still kind of fun like you'd be like oh fuck damn that sucks but then you'd SMG would come out and they were a lot more generous with the ammo than what we played recently in Sniper Elite 3 um yeah, and it's like it's gorgeous. Like it's so much better looking than the last game. It's really, really pretty, uh, and the spaces are so much more open. The other one, yeah, because we played it recently, right? So we played two like- after I I went and played. Uh, sorry, we played three after three. I went and yeah. played four for a preview. Yeah, but three was really funnily yeah, like corridor-y. To, to four. Yeah, like it has open sections, but it also felt like it was just funneling you in certain directions. Whereas yeah. um, what I've played of four was much more open approach. Yeah, uh, And like, well, like the first, the, the tutorial stuff is about five minutes and that funnels you, that funnels the fuck out of you. But then it just basically goes, all right, here's your, here's your section you've got to work through. I went back and played it uh, alone mm-hmm. and it took me an hour 
to beat the first level. I died a couple of times, not too much, but like I was being pretty uh, regimented with taking <laughs> everyone out. So, yeah. but I wasn't like I wasn't doing the hundred percent approach. I wasn't trying to find every little bit of hidden stuff in the world, and there was plenty of that going on. So you could imagine that someone taking their time would get a good couple of hours out of it. But it's so much fun, Ooh. co-op man. Like the ability to create crossfires or to have those sort of last of the Mohicans moments where one dude's just like legging it through some area and the other guy's just playing overwatch shooting everyone that's trying to come at you so much fun. The only bad thing about co-op that I experienced and I couldn't seem to disable it, although I'm pretty sure there's an option for it. I just didn't find the right one is that it automatically has the option or appears to automatically have the option to cut to the other players. Um, slow-mo shots on i like that shots. no what i don't like about it is when the shits hit the fan or when you're fucking sneaking and fucking job doesn't tell you yeah. that he's taking a shot at someone it just, <laughs> just makes does. that noise and cuts to something else and you fucking shit yourself every time because you're like oh fuck what have i done i'm a dead oh fucking hell job like what yeah i took a shot I'm like fuck you man just <laughs> Just tell me. So I didn't like it because it was like, because I was so tense. Because, you know, when you're sneaking around, you're avoiding patrols. And the AI, except when I broke them at one stage, is um, a lot smarter. They work together. You know, they, they don't always talk, but they're kind of using hand signals. And one guy you can see, even though he might not look like he's an officer, he takes over and he starts ordering the other ones to do things and flank around um, based on your last known position. So it's pretty impressive stuff going on considering the majority of people who play the game quote unquote properly yeah. will be sniping these cunts in the head from a safe distance <laughs> yeah but, uh, um but but going back to your other point uh, yeah. the reason why i like that other uh, you know the camera the slow-mo camera is that like if i do an awesome shot you get to see it and it's not yeah. just me yelling like holy fuck that was amazing I get the idea of it, man, but like yeah. when you're fucking trying to sneak around and be stealthy and then Job just decides he's taking a shot. <laughs> well, maybe that's Job's fault. He should be more, uh, you know, announce himself a bit better. A better co-op partner? Yes, <laughs> he probably should be that. Yeah, yeah. We, we, I, I, I want to play this. We should play. Yeah, if you get it, man. Um, oh, I've still got it installed. I've, I've only played the first two missions. Oh, sorry, mission and a half, and I probably lost all the progress on the second one because of fucking Pat. So, yeah, man, I'd, I'd be keen to go through the whole thing if you want. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely keen to jump in because I, I felt like I missed that boat. I really wanted to play it, um, but I thought you guys had, were done with it. So, if you're still wanting to go through that, I am in. And even if you get it later, even if you get it on special, I, I can reinstall. Oh, I'll grab uh, it next week or, or this weekend or something. We'll see. I just, it's like, it's that time of year when games are starting to come out. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like one of those things like, hey, if we come back to that later during whatever lull doesn't exist. <laughs> well, I mean, we managed to make time to fucking play Sniper Elite 3, didn't we? Anyways, yeah, it's good. It's it's lots of lots of fun. And I think it's getting good um, user review ratings as well. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, Mass Effect is what two weeks away. <laughs> so, well, fucking hell, exactly, man. Like, um, actually, should bring up my calendar. I put these all in my calendar now because I don't know if you do that, but like, well. shit gets cray if you don't keep a track of it. Pat, please stop biting me for the love of God. Yeah, it's bonkers right now. Um, well, let me. What what else is out this month? So we've got. Ghost Recon just came out today, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, we've got Battlefield 1's DLC out this time next week. Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda two weeks later, so or a week after that, rather, the 23rd. 
And then, I don't know if you're interested in this, but Strafe is coming out on the 28th of March. Uh, that's an that's indie shooter, right? Old school arena shooter, procedurally generated stuff. Yes, I'm very much interested to play fucking more of that. The game has me very excited. But it's not the kind of game that I feel I'll play in massive chunks. It's just mm. one of those games that I'll load up a level or two and fucking churn through some shit and have a laugh and then, um, yeah, go back to something else. Ooh, but there's some Dark Souls DLC coming out at the end of March. Well, I'm Dark not, Souls 3. Not into that, so there you go. <laughs> that's uh, that's busy for you then, the rest of this month. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, anything else to add about Sniper? Uh, no. Elite. no, it's good. I mean, if you love PC games, uh, play it on PC for God's sake. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> and if you like, it's, it's, if someone who's not a fan of slow, sort of campy play styles, I'm surprised at how much I actually get into that mentality playing mm. uh, Sniper, the Sniper Elite games. And it's, it's really satisfying, but also fun when it falls apart. Yeah. All right. Well, that's some of the older stuff. Um,. <laughs> What have you been? What's new that's been playing? What's North Northguard? Northguard, sorry. Northguard. Um, Northguard is a real-time strategy game, but not necessarily in the sense where you're talking about military dominance. Although that is certainly one way you can do it. It reminds me a lot of well, the comparison that made me buy it yeah. was um, Settlers, the older Settlers games, which. I adored as buggy as they were. Um, but the more recent one, what was Joby saying? Banished. I never played Banished. Did you play Banished? No. He was saying someone compared it to Banished and he had problems with that game that made him not, like, that made that correlation negative. Um, as soon as someone said older Settlers games, I was like, fuck yeah. Because I actually went back not so long ago and bought them on GOG. Uh, to, with the intention of replaying them like on a fucking trip on my shit laptop but mm-hmm. but never got around to it you never do always install all these games and never do anything with them but I'm the guy who goes on a fucking flight takes his 3DS and his fucking Vita and never plays them either Ugh. anyways <laughs> the uh, Northguard is fucking addictive as shit man like I think I paid 18 bucks for it US, 20 bucks right now on uh, the store. It had the very positive ratings and it was getting a lot of positive press and the hipster in me was like, nah, this can't be right. Like, I'm going to take it for a spin. And so I downloaded it. It was 350 megabytes for starters. It's got a little stylized art style. It's not like super unattractive or anything but like it's a, it's a good looking game it's got its own little aesthetic going for it uh, but it only has a skirmish mode in it at the moment a single player skirmish mode with the intention or the devs have said that they're going to add multiplayer new factions and a single player campaign as well but as far as the skirmish goes it's got a bit of a bit of a learning curve because there's no like you get little hints and tips occasionally but it's sort of more trial by fire um and your play is a little one of three viking clans up against up to three ai who have randomly selected uh from those viking clans as well and Mm -hmm. each clan has specific advantages and disadvantages as it relates to victory conditions so you can ultimately win in skirmish by trade victory uh, military domination, map special, ooh, and one or two other ones that elude me right now. But so it's really like it's not hardcore towards 
any of those. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to be like, oh, yeah, I'm this mad fucking RTS guy with this sick APM and I'm just going to go in there. I'm going to build, you know, 3,000 infantry and go in and kill you. Units are kept really low. And, and the way that you get more villages, which everyone starts out as before you convert them into whatever other roles you want them to do, um, is to increase the happiness of your society. And that means that you the happier your people are, the more regularly you'll get new villages. But then there's a population cap based on how many houses you have. And then if you don't upgrade those houses, they start getting shitty at you, which impacts the happiness, which impacts how frequently you get new villages. So everything's linked. Uh, the only, the biggest problem I have with it right now, apart from the fact that it's, you know, early access buggy and there's crashes and weirdness. Um, mostly it's, it's smooth experience, but when they happen, they're frustrating, especially if you haven't fucking saved recently. Mm-hmm. But, um, oh my God, I've lost my You've blanked. Yeah. The, my biggest gripe. Anyways, I'll just scream it out if it comes back later. But the, the big thing, the main thing you've got to, oh, actually, that's it. The biggest gripe is that it's not transparent about the core negative impacts towards the happiness of your society. Oh, so okay. it seems to arbitrarily add a negative value based on how big you grow. So it just grows and grows and grows in negative. So you've mm. got to counter that with more positive stuff, but it doesn't actually tell you how to spin that around. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of lots of trial and error, which is why I wrote a tips guide starting out on PC Powerplay because because honestly, it took me three, three hours, three, four hours of playing to wrap my head properly around all of the mechanics and how it interlinks everything interlinks in the, you know, and the build order and stuff like stuff like that that you probably consider to be basic and taught to you in a tutorial. Uh, collectively, it took a long, like a few hours for me to wrap my head around it. But still, within that, the gameplay loop is fun and it's quaint and it's cute. Um, but the big threat that you've got to worry about, which I think is kind of different from other games like it, at least the ones that I played, is that winter, like Game of Thrones meets Groundhog Day, winter comes a lot. (laughs) And you want to have enough food reserves and wood reserves because your food collection capacity decreases and the food consumption increases and the same thing with the wood. And those are your main two um, resources that you collect. So once you get your head around that, that's okay and then it starts throwing curveballs at you it starts throwing little exclamation mark disasters at you randomizers between rat plagues which can be countered with food silos or you know interdimensional fucking invaders which you counter with military obviously and then the other one is a blizzard which means that fucking that bleed that resource bleed during winter is like doubled or tripled or something fucking stupid so you've really got like but like they've got this little visual calendar in the UI that shows you kind of your months mm. and how far away like winter's just represented by snow and the when it's not winter it's represented by the green so you kind of have an idea of how long you've got to go and and thus which kind of things you can invest in before winter's going to hit and if it's going to be a blizzard that you might play that in game year a bit more conservatively yeah. um but I had a blast with it, man. Like, I'm done with it for now because I've exhausted the content that's currently available and I have no desire to keep replaying. The maps are procedurally generated as well, uh, which is good and bad because it means if you're starting out, 
you can get fucked by the RNG gods uh, and, like, not have certain resources or certain lands close to you that provide certain resources that make your life easier. But that just kind of adds to the challenge of it, I guess. And as long as you're willing to persevere through the first two to four hours, I think you'll... um, get an appreciation for it but I'm really hanging out for a campaign and, and maybe even multiplayer I don't really ever play RTS competitively but I do like co-op RTS so okay so you've been playing with Job and, and those guys no no it doesn't have multiplayer yet so oh just, okay I thought it was multiplayer yeah just single player skirmish they haven't added multiplayer yet uh, that's down the track I think they're just kind of refining the core gameplay loop in skirmish and then they're slowly adding features on top of that but yeah, man, I was surprised at how much fun. Again, with so many other games to play, pulling for my attention, Northgard was this one that I put like five or six hours into. Yeah. Uh, and I usually only write game guides for games that I really get into because if I've just played a game for a couple of hours, I feel like a fucking hack going, oh, here's the pro tips for whatever. And not that it was pro tips. It was just like, hey, here's the shit that I've learned in the four or five hours I've been playing at this point um, that if you take on board then you don't have to learn the hard way yeah hmm. looks interesting I don't know if it's my type of game that I'd jump into well you don't I mean you don't have to and I guess <laughs> like it's 20 bucks and yeah. if it if it gets on a steam sale it gets down to 15 or 10 bucks and, and by that stage they've added a campaign and they've added a tutorial and they've added multiplayer and it's, we're all raving about it like I think you'd be mad if you had a loose interest in RTS to not take it for a spin um, but like yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to more content. I mean, it's like the forest, you know. Like I, but I mean, obviously there was more content in that than what's on offer, on offer currently in Northgard. But when the forest first came out, that was really bare bones, and I put in about five or ten hours, uh, and then left it until I went back and played it with you guys, and then we put in what, what was it, twenty hours in fucking two days or something? Stupid? Yeah, something stupid. Yeah in a day <laughs> yeah that that game yeah that game's awesome I've still got it installed still go back eventually <laughs> yeah um, I, I did play a bunch of uh, Caesar back in the day but I don't think I played any Settlers I don't I don't think I ever played Caesar what was that one like um, I quite enjoyed it it was basically a city building game yeah yeah so Settlers was kind of a city building game I guess but it was more about like balancing um, your ecosystem so making sure that you had the right amount of people creating the right amount of stuff for the size of your population yeah Uh, which I don't know why I like that like I never really liked SimCity that much I liked building the quickest fucking city that I could so I could bring in a disaster okay that's why I liked SimCity and then I liked the sort of more traditional RTS Command and Conquer and Age of Empires and whatnot because of the destroying shit. Actually, no, I lie. When I first started playing RTS, I liked the base building, but like I liked building up a defensive base, you know, mm. my walls and my turrets. And I would do, th- I would prioritize that to my detriment because I wouldn't really create many attacking units and I'd just get walked over. That changed with um, generals. Fuck, I got into that in a big way. Yeah. Want to conquer generals. Actually, I think we're going back and playing that soon. You ever got into that? Uh, maybe. maybe. You never got into it? I know I did. I, yeah, I played a bunch of it, but I was I always liked Red Alert more. Did you play three? I always wanted to go back and play three cooperatively. Three, Red Alert three. Yeah, that was the... 
fucking what seven years ago maybe seven eight years ago they released that I'm just looking it up because I don't recall the I um, liked what I played oh, I really yeah, liked yeah. I played single player but like they had a full campaign co-op and I'm a sucker for co-op on a, on a good day but like camp RTS co-op I adore that man even when it was just playing Age of Empires 2 skirmishes with my buddy you know versus a couple of computers or uh, Company of Heroes playing it on the hardest difficulty with my mate up against four four opponents and we were just just really satisfying to work together so like, you don't have to worry about competing against someone else you don't have to worry about smack talking or whatever like you're just working towards the same goal and the sort of tactical things that you can do when you've got people working with you is awesome as well. Hmm. Without the pressure of, like, online rankings and all that shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, well, let's... we got still more games here. Fuck. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn, did you play uh, this at all? Because you got a copy, right? I haven't... Um, I haven't touched it. Wow. Yeah, I haven't had a chance yet, unfortunately. But it's on my—I really want to play it. Everyone's raved about it. Yeah, it got some really good reviews. Um, Job talked about it last week. I finally got a chance to to play it, um, and I, I'm digging it. I, I think it's it's a really well made game. Um, it's basically a post post apocalyptic game. <laughs> you know, most po- post apocalyptic games are, are quite uh, barren, and you know, it's very orange colors and browns and that sort of thing like desert space scenes this one is like that's already happened and the next bits come along and everything's green and lush and and all that sort of thing so it's a pretty looking game very pretty game uh you play a a lady who has uh you start off as a little girl who's been like kind of abandoned and like outcast from her her village what ends up happening is you sort of start the game as a child and then go from there and and eventually, it's like a big tutorial to start. So you're learning how the game works, and then what uh, what type of ability she's got. She's got like a like a, a bow and arrow. You shoot things with that, and it's kind of like just teaching you the basics of the game. And that kind of goes on for a little while until eventually um, she grows up, and and um, and then the story kind of revolves around her getting back into this village and this culture and and then wanting to know about her more about her past and the things that are going on around her so yeah that stuff's really cool i think the combat is really interesting because it took me quite a while to get it get a groove for what was going on mainly because when i when i play a game i kind of just stick to i I usually like the bow and arrow type approaches in games i'll just sit back and kind of shoot things from a distance or or um you know a lot of the time it's like a one-shot kill type thing with the bow and arrow but with uh horizon it's very different um you've kind of you got to be very strategic about approaching some of these animals um or sorry, some of the enemies and kind of how you're gonna uh, take them head on because a lot of them tra- like main the main enemies within the game are these like robotic dinosaurs and they kind of sit around in packs. So the moment that you aggro one of these things, the rest of them sort of kind of chime onto what's going on and they'll, they'll all come after you. And that can be a huge problem because you can do pretty well taking on one of them um, alone. But the moment there's a second one, it gets quite hectic because you're using a bow and arrow to try, to try and take these guys out. So it can be quite frantic to try and aim and just shoot these creatures in the head. There is a, a melee system. She's got like a, a fucking giant pole that she uses to swing around and, and that can be quite devastating, but I, I, I tend to stick with bow and arrow. So 
when you're approaching some of these attacking opportunities, you've got to really think about what you're going to do and set up traps. And, and um, that becomes more like a thing that you've got to really pay attention to later on when some of the bigger robot dinosaurs kind of come into play because they'll just shred you if you're not paying any attention. So I appreciate that it's not an easy game and that you've got to really think about what you're going to do and, and not just rush into it. You've got to also mix up your type of the, the weapons and abilities that you've got. Um, you can't just sit back and use the one thing. Also, a lot of the, these enemies have like, um, they'll have different types of stats and different, uh, like weaknesses. Some of them are, uh, immune to fire or you need to use like a, you'll need to stun them first in order to take them down. Um, so there's a lot of variety. It's not just doing the same thing over and over again. So I quite enjoy that it's challenging at least, which is cool. Uh, but the rest of the game is like, it's huge. It's a massive game. There's lots to do. It's very, very much like an RPG style game. You're looting all the time. There's different weapons. I think Job talked about it last week in terms of there's a lot of weapons that you find uh, off all these creatures or uh, these robot dinosaurs. Um, and you're always, always like harvesting and picking up, uh, sticks and rocks and crafting. And you pretty much everything that you find on the ground or you, you kill, you want to loot it. And then that can be either used to make more arrows for your bow and arrow or upgrade your weapons or sell them to vendors and buy better weapons. So that stuff is also really, uh, rewarding because you're always looking to try and make yourself bigger and stronger. I haven't played too much of the game. Uh, probably like, man, uh, probably 10, 12 hours into it. But when you kind of zoom back and look at how much there is on offer, it's there seems to be a lot there and there's a lot of quests uh, to kind of get into. I, I would say the only thing I'm not really digging at the moment is that it does seem quite overwhelming at first. Um, once you get into the the kind of the bit where the game kind of opens up because I found myself finding quest markers that were, that seemed like I was in a starting area, but it would be like, you're too low level to kind of do this one. You need to be at level 25, but I'm only a level eight. And the thing that was confusing was that I would pick up one quest marker and, you know, the next quest marker I'd pick up, which is literally meters away would be, 15 levels difference and i kind of wasn't understanding why there was such a huge like gap in between uh these quests so that's kind of annoying a little bit because i i can't really go and do them like, i'm getting all this stuff but they're kind of just filling up my in uh quest log they're just sitting there and i've got to come back to that obviously uh maybe five six hours from then i, I don't know why it's spaced out why it's not spaced out a bit better I don't know if I'm the only one that's kind of complaining about that. I didn't really have a chance to speak to Joe about it yet, but yeah. Um, otherwise, I, I'm quite enjoying it. I think it's a, a great game. Um, it's just unfortunate that there's a lot of other stuff coming out right now that's kind of... Uh, and I've been busy with work and, and that sort of thing, so I haven't really had much time for other, or for getting back into that game because it seems really cool. It seems like a lot of fun from what I've played so far. Um, and, and the scope of like... Some of these robot dinosaurs that you come up against are just ridiculous. They're huge, enormous creatures, and the um, the frame rate doesn't really take a hit when you start seeing a lot of this shit on the screen, which is awesome because 
you want it to look pretty, but also run pretty smoothly as well, which is great. How's the aiming on console? Huh? Uh, yeah, like I said, like the <laughs> it, it is quite difficult. Like it's challenging to play the game because with the bow and arrow stuff, you can kind of sh- when you do shoot stuff, it does. It's not like one shot kill on, on a lot of this stuff. They've kind of got weakness weakness points. Like you scan them, and you can see. All right, this is a part of their body that if I hit that it'll do more damage or it'll be a part of the body that's got like a bit of armor on it. And then once you shred that armor, then it'll reveal the weakness and you can shoot that and maybe that'll trigger an explosion. So you've really got to be careful and make sure that you hit them uh, quite quickly because if you're, if you don't do damage quick enough and they come at you, you'll um, quite quickly get a lot of hurt onto you and uh, they can take you down very fast. Some of these creatures. So, but I don't mind the aiming. Like it's got a, it's got a bit, a bit of auto aim on there. It's not like sticking to the, um, like the crosshair doesn't stick to the whatever you're aiming at. But once you release a trigger, you can see the arrow kind of shift a bit. Like it'll sort of track its target, uh, which which I'm okay with uh, because these things do move quickly, and um, because you're using a bow and arrow, it's not very, it's not like using a machine gun. And just like spraying and praying, you, you've kind of got to be precise. So I'm okay with the uh, the leniency on the auto aim assist stuff that it's got going. So yeah, I I can't aim for shit on consoles, so I usually appreciate that unless it's so blatant that you know you kind of pull the left trigger and it just snaps to the nearest chest. Hmm. Yeah, it's got and it's got really good. Um, like it seems like it's got really good story stuff in there. That's quite interesting. Um, I really like the uh, the looting stuff. As I said, there's uh, like a ton of things to go. Kind of, I, like, I'm a sucker for just hoarding shit and, and looking around and min maxing all my items and figuring out what like like the best the best stuff to get. So uh, yeah, I'm really digging all the Diablo style loot system they've got in there. It's a lot of fun. But um, yeah, I'm keen to get get back in and play some more of that one. It's a very, very good game. I'm kind of glad that I haven't played it um, before Zelda. Although, yeah, I haven't. Like, I know that Job's played it. I know that Job loved it. The Horizon Zero Dawn. That is, uh, and he hasn't mentioned that. Like, in our conversations about Zelda, he hasn't gone, "Ah, oh, fuck, it just sucks." Because Horizon Zero Dawn is so much better, and I just find myself thinking about that game. So, and that's not to say that. It sucks, obviously. I mean, he fucking loves that game. And I've only ever heard people raving about it, and I'm hanging out to play it. I just know that I have to play it um, when my girlfriend's around because she wants to watch it. <laughs> so between that and all the other games I'm playing, it's uh, tricky to do that. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, but I'd be curious to see what you think of the combat and how, um, how difficult you're finding it, whether I'm just a big giant fucking noob or... Uh, whether it is challenging, because I'm finding it quite challenging at certain points. Like, I really got to think about <laughs> not just running in and shooting stuff, because uh, it doesn't end well sometimes for you. Oh, I, f- I feel like a noob most of the times on console when it comes to anything that requires aiming, man. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, I guess one game that is quite similar... Well, I don't know if it's similar. Like, I've not played it, but... I've heard a lot of uh, people comparing the two, um, especially because they released so quickly. But Zelda and the Switch came out last week. Um, and obviously, 
Zelda is being given a lot of critical praise. It's currently a 98 on Metacritic with like 70 reviews, which is ridiculous. I don't remember the last time a game's been rated that highly. Um, or I don't they know all drank one, the Kool-Aid, man. I don't know if one has been rated that highly. Like, that's pretty crazy. I think a f- 96 is maybe one of the highest I can think of. That's like a, you know, a, a AAA release type game. Um, 98 is nuts. It's stupid. It's, anyone who gave that game a 10 is a fucking fanboy maniac. Like, Zelda is an incredible game. Don't get me wrong. I'm having a lot of fun with it, but it's also quite infuriating. Like, the frame drops are unforgivable for a first-party release on a new console. Not that Nintendo ever wants to get into the game of measuring dicks as it relates to um, frame rate and not frame rate, but like graphical fatality. Because mm. I, I think it looks like it's a good looking game in terms of its stylized stuff, but Katie, my girlfriend's always just like, she just bags out how ugly it is. <laughs> yeah. She's like, this is ugly. And then I go to defend it. I'm like, you know what? It's, it's not a pretty game. It's not the sort of game that'll be like, oh my God, come look at this game. It's gorgeous. But the gameplay mechanics and the gameplay loops are fun. Like, I just find it. You played many Zelda games? Uh, I, yeah, I've played a bunch of them. Um, Were they hard, usually? They weren't. No, not necessarily. <laughs> this game is fucking hard, man. Yeah. Like, it, they've really kind of pushed that survival elements, and you only start off with kind of three hearts, and, and, and roaming around not too far from where you first start the game, there are enemies that can one-hit kill you and shit like that, like... It's fucking pretty hectic, hmm. uh, which I like because, you know, I like my games challenging. Yeah. Um, but I keep thinking about how this is kind of more marketed towards kids, right? <laughs> like, you guys are in for a hell of a time wrapping your head around this. And even the discussions that I was having with Joe earlier today where we're kind of like filling each other in on the different systems and mechanics that we've discovered and how the fuck do you use this thing and how does this one work and oh I use that like that I solve that like this like which I really enjoy because that reminds me of sort of old school high school gaming where you go home and you play a game and then you get stuck and you go and talk about it the next day and you didn't have the benefit of looking up guides online so I'm really kind of enjoying that social multiplayer I guess you'd say component but um fucking what was I raving about uh, yeah it's a good game it's a great game it's a lot of fun but it's hard it's very it's challenging and I'm enjoying the challenge uh, I'm not enjoying the frame rate drops I'm not enjoying the story I'm not enjoying the characters I'm not enjoying the voice acting um, and I don't enjoy the fucking controls oh my god I'm so pissed that I didn't look for it earlier I only just found after playing I don't know 15 20 fucking hours of this game I just found the option in the menu to make jump the bottom button, bottom face button. Yeah. Uh, and I say bottom face button because Microsoft ripped off uh, Nintendo's control lettering pricks, um, but they didn't mimic the placement. I'm just so used to X being the bottom button and the bottom button, whether it's on PS fucking PlayStation or um xbox being jump like it's always jump right like universal controls we're not going to make a first person fucking shooter where a is ads and you know the right stick when you move it i don't know throws a grenade like that's just retarded Mm -hmm. but fucking 
dare to be different Nintendo has made X the top button jump and I guess I can see the logic behind it it's the top button it goes up but I have died so many times from fucking up a jump or not activating my paragliding parachute thing in time um, <clears throat> because I'm pressing the wrong fucking button <laughs> because mentally I am so used to certain conventions in games and while I'm okay with a little bit of wiggle room these the controls after 15 to 20 hours have not stuck but not more than that like so it has weapon degradation right you probably know about that yep which is fine except when you're in the middle of a fight and your weapon breaks and it doesn't immediately shift to the next weapon Mm -hmm. you have to fucking bring up a menu to select your next weapon and then you go back into the fight like why what does that add what does that add to the game to make the player have to select the next weapon mid-fight. Does it pause the combat? It does. But like, again, so what does that add? It doesn't add any tension stuff or artificial or otherwise. It just is frustrating. And then once again, you're having to try to remember the controls when you're messing with other shit. And it's sort of like the controls change based on what weapon you're using and sometimes different buttons change and select different things. I keep fucking up the button to select between arrow types and, and all this shit. Same thing, like, but when you break a bow, it selects the next bow, I'm pretty sure. I think it's the same thing with shield, just not with... Unless you've got the exact same weapon type, melee weapon, it won't automatically switch to it. So, it's just, like, lots of little fucking control things like that that just piss me fucking right off. Hmm. And and they get in the way of what is otherwise, and I'm, like, really engaging, really immersive... Uh, game that you can just play for hours. I took basically the whole of Friday off, went down early, got my Switch, was fucking relieved to find that the Switch didn't require a thousand updates before I could use it. Um, I could have actually started playing Zelda without an update. I had to search for it because I'm paranoid like that. It was a small update. And I was basically playing the game within five minutes of having plugged everything in. Yeah, cool. Also on a cartridge, so no installation required. So I did appreciate that stuff. Um, but yeah, man, I probably put in six, seven, eight, eight hours on that first day. <laughs> uh, was proper, proper addicted to it. It just keeps you going, keeps making you look at the next thing, keeps you getting distracted from the main path by that shiny thing you see off in the distance. And I'm at a point in the game now where I, I don't even feel like I've scratched the surface, for starters. It's telling me... To, I have two main quests. One of those main quests is to find 12 fucking locations in the world where I have memories. Mm. 12. And it doesn't tell me where they are. I've found one so far. Nice. So I'm not, I'm not going to focus on that because that would shit me, right? <laughs> I figure that I'm going to randomly encounter them in the course of playing the game, which is fine. The other one wants me to discover beat the puzzle dungeons in them and then a boss I'm assuming per one of four of these ultra beasts or I can't remember what they're called something like that and I've only done one so far and the whole lead up in getting to that one that was the closest one which is why I picked it (laughs) has taken hours and not like arduous just like hours of all these different things that you can do and people you can talk to and little side quests you get distracted by and then you get one piece of armor so you go oh shit I want to get the rest of that armor and then you get a, a second piece by doing a side quest that's close so you know that that third piece is nearby so you go sniff it out like um, and it gives you abilities that you didn't have before 
And I mean, it took me like 10 or 12 hours before I randomly stumbled on the ability to ride a horse. Like, like you're constantly finding these new things and these new mechanics that sort of change the way how you play the game. Mm-hmm. And um, there's little weapon variants, and then there's the whole <clears throat> cooking. So you make food to heal yourself, but then you pretty soon discover that if you combine certain items, you can improve stamina and temporarily increase your health, or you've got to eat certain foods to have cold resistance. And the map, man, the map is like gigantic it's huge mm. and the, just this gameplay loop of discovery and you know I'm having fun with the combat and the dungeons and the puzzles they're really kind of easy at first but then when they get tough you actually feel this awesome sense of satisfaction when you crack a crack a puzzle the main thing the worst the fucking unforgivable worst thing is uh, it has um this is not it this is related to it but it has, like, the they raved about the Switch motion controls, right? Like, the rumble and the fact that you can move... HD rumble's great. HD rumbles, but also, like, the accelerometers, I'm assuming, inside are there to make everything as accurate as possible and responsive. So, they've added uh, motion aiming refinements, so you can, like, aim 90% of the way and then tilt your controller. Worst yeah. thing ever. It feels like you're fighting against where you're trying to aim because every time you're moving a fucking sticker or a controller, you're subtly moving the controller and it's responding to that. So it's literally fighting against where you're trying to fucking aim unless you let go and then just use your hands to steer it. Frustrating. That bit's frustrating. Whatever. I turned it off. I was hoping because I had read... I didn't read the review, but I read the, the bullet points. Classic me. On the Survivor review. Mm-hmm. about the cons and one of the cons was motion control puzzles I was hoping that because I had disabled that feature I would avoid fucking motion control puzzles I cannot stand anything more than fucking motion control puzzles but no and this puzzle man oh if there was ever a moment where I almost put a brand new console through a fucking wall <laughs> it is so infuriating did you ever play um did you ever have one of those I don't remember what they're called they're like the, the steel ball mazes. Yeah, where, yeah, yeah. You got to get them all in the hole. Yeah, where you like, but you have control over uh, the movement across yeah. two axes. Yeah. And so you got to, you got to, ref- it's that, but with a controller. But imagine on top of that, that once you move your controller too far and then tilt back, like it doesn't automatically reset the fucking puzzle to the normal plane. Mm-hmm. So. You're having to contort the controller in really weird ways to make it work. And on top of this, the camera doesn't move with, like, to, to reflect where you're moving to. It stays in a fixed position. Yeah. So, so you can't see the fucking ball sometimes. <laughs> I figured out a way around it. Like, I basically would move it incrementally, quit out of the puzzle, and then re-enter it and thank fuck it, remember where the ball was, and it would reset. Yeah. reset the goddamn thing but the problem I have with that puzzle like any of these gimmicky fucking systems that they add in games just to reflect the technology like fucking connect you know you got to put this in because we've got connect and we've got to push connect 
That's exactly what this reeks of. You've got to put the system in because we've got this technology in the controller and we've got to fucking showcase all of that technology in this one game. It's a big game. So it's basically the only reason you buy a Switch right now, to be honest. But I know how to solve that puzzle, right? I get what I've got to do. I will Mm -hmm. accept a certain amount of failure within trying to do that puzzle because, ah, that one's on me. I moved it wrong. I moved it too late. Ball fell off the edge. It's reset. Fair enough. But when you get to the 40th time that you're doing it and you've gotten that ball to the end of the maze for the 40th fucking time and you know what you have to do which is to tilt the thing down so that it gains momentum and then tip it up at the right point so that it jumps over into the next part to complete the puzzle and you do that but you can't control the camera there's no fucking shadow or light indicating exactly where it's aiming and it flies off just off to the side for the 20th time but you had no way of telling that, so it's just fucking trial and error. <laughs> what is the point of that puzzle? Like, I've already solved this puzzle game, but you're telling me that I haven't because of your arbitrary fucking shit control system that is fighting against me, f- infuriating, and the person who decided to in- include that deserves to be shot. It's <laughs> garbage. It's so, so... Inf- like, I almost stopped playing the game because of that. Yeah. Because it was so infuriating. But apart from that, it's great. It's good. Uh, it's not worth buying a Switch for because that's a $500 console, right? More. Is it more than 500 bucks? Well, from what I hear, Plus people keep saying you've got to get the uh, or the game plus the Pro Controller. Everyone keeps saying you need the Pro Controller. Oh, I don't have the Pro Controller. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I bought the Charge and Play Controller, which is like 30 bucks or something. Yeah. Um, you're honestly... And you may have read this already. You're honestly better off playing it in tablet mode or whatever the fuck they call it. Because it, it yes, it downscales to 720p, I'm pretty sure. But because of the size of the screen and it's a nice, pretty little screen, it looks it looks fantastic. But it just kind of like removes a lot of the performance problems. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's upscaling to 900p for the TV to make it look better on the big screen. But yeah. it doesn't happen that so well. Well, that's something uh, we were concerned about when we played it recently at the uh, RTX Expo. Um, like, th- there was frame rate drops in that, and we we're like, "Oh, well, it must be an old build," because I was saying that it's the same build from E3. Um, but yeah, as soon as that came out, and I saw people saying it's a bit fucking framey in some parts, um, it was a bit disappointing. Oh, it's really bad. And it's not even like, you know, with certain games where you can tell that they're trying to fudge like an invisible wall that's a loading section and the streaming's not worked out too well and so you kind of just live with it. It's not even that. It's just arbitrary. And there are points where you're having a fight where I originally thought it was like this stylized Matrix-style single-frame slowdown <laughs> when you hit when you defeat an enemy, or not when you defeat an enemy, rather, when you hit them enough that they go flying. But it feels like it's actually the the console like taking a breath to activate the physics fucking system Mm. so that they fly off correctly and the physics is fantastic i haven't had any physics fails yet but i'm really impressed by the physics and and how you kind of feel like you're in control of where an enemy goes down by hitting them in certain ways and from certain directions and if you really don't want to fight someone you smack them a certain way so they go off an edge but if you really want what they might drop you avoid that like that's cool man watching katie play the, the, the other day and just seeing how she solves things differently like I basically climb everywhere um, and I've got some bandana that improves my climbing ability hilariously and I did some stamina upgrades so I'm basically able if I can see it outside of a sheer rock face uh, I can climb it 
and I pick paths so that I can have breathers and so I, I just climb everywhere but she needed to get to this particular shrine earlier on and instead of climbing I just kind of watched what she did I'm like how did you get over there last time she's like oh I just did this and she chopped down a tree the right angle so it fell over like the gap and made a bridge yeah and she walked over it I'm like holy shit I hadn't even considered that like <laughs> I just thought the whole chopping down the trees was there so you could chop up what you chopped down to make firewood out of it I didn't even realize that you could use it to solve fucking puzzles yeah. but then there's moments like where there's rocks and so if you if you kind of take a tactical approach to combat scenarios there are certain positions where you can either shoot out a platform to make a rock drop onto people or you can go up and go the higher way around them and then you can roll a boulder down onto their base and stuff like that like it's it's really cool like the the tactical options that you have available to you which i wasn't really expecting i mean I, why i asked you about zelda games is because uh, if you played in the older ones my uh, the only zelda game i played was on the game boy that was the original zelda i really liked that like i finished that game and i i found it thoroughly enjoying and challenging in parts but i missed every single other zelda game between that and this recent one so this was my return to zelda um and it's it's really impressive outside of the stuff i mentioned in the beginning and the fucking motion control shit um but yeah again like would you pay 500 dollars or more because you got to buy the game as well, and then you've probably got to buy the charge and play cable unless you intend on playing it in its dock. But in that case, you're going to have to be charging it while you're playing, so it's not entirely practical. Um, yeah, six hundred bucks to play one game. No, nah. maybe, maybe. I mean, if you're a massive <laughs> Zelda fanboy, you've already bought the Switch, and what are, what are we talking about? I'm not here to convince you. But um, if you're sitting and umming and ahhing, like Zelda's a great game, but this it's going to wait, and you can play it on Wii U, and it's apparently basically the same shit <laughs> like and even in terms of performance i was reading <clears throat> so you can get it on that if you've got a wii u or you can get a wii u for cheaper especially now that they've been fucking discontinued or whatever and get uh zelda on that or you can just wait to when the console drops in price and pick it up then when it'll have bigger better more attractive games to come i think the new mario game looks fucking awesome um, I've obviously got to get a Mario Kart game and that new Mario Kart game doesn't really change that much but the addition of two items has me curious enough to rebuy it like a noob um, and I just like the fact that you can crack apart a single controller and kind of give that to someone and suddenly you've already got two controllers for something like Mario Kart like that's cool yeah but like this whole one-two switch thing like nah that should be in a packet yeah, that should absolutely like Wii Sports, right? Way back with the Wii, that was a pack-in, wasn't it? Yeah, and that was great, and that was all you needed to start with because it showed the potential of the console, and it was lots of fun. I played on the Wii. I played fucking more of that tennis game than anything else. Yeah, I played a lot of that. <laughs> like more bowling. than any other game that I paid full price for was the tennis game. Oh, bowling was fun, but the tennis one, man, I used to have like lunchtime rallies and stuff and get sweaty. Like that was fun. <laughs> I used to get sweaty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'm pretty sure Job's going to bring it down a peg as well when he gets back. Because um, I've definitely heard some complaints about him and Zelda on Twitter. That's the right way to say it, though. Like, a peg. It's not It's not like we're the guys who've come in and gone, it's a 1 out of 10, everyone's lying, it's fucking shit. Like, it's a great game, but it's not this fucking 10 out of 10 perfect experience that people would have you believe. And I think it's actually quite embarrassing for a launch first party launch title to have the kind of performance issues yeah and it's not something that i've seen being brought up right 
Well, it's it's kind of fobbed off. Like, yeah, it's it's not acceptable. Like thirty, I don't have a problem with the game running at thirty frames per second. I'm sure Horizon Zero Dawn runs at thirty frames per second, right? Mm-hmm. And if it looks gorgeous and it runs at thirty frames per second and it's not a twitchy shooter, it's definitely playable. Not on PC. Fuck that. Give me the option for sixty frames or fuck off. But on console, it's fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But if you drop. If you drop below 30, and I'm talking like, cons- I think someone was saying it drops as low as 20 at times. Like, that's not a couple of frames lost here and there that you're like, oh, I better mention that it drops one or two frames every now and then. Like, that's significant. And if you're in the middle of a fight when that happens, it fucks you up. It's no good. Wasn't uh, Digital Foundry going to do a, do a Zelda thing on it? I hope so. Oh, maybe they did already. Yeah. What, the Wii U versus um, the Switch or just in general? I thought they were going to do it on Zelda. I saw a post saying it was coming later today, but that, nice. that was a couple of days ago. Um, I'm just having a quick look now. I can. Eurogamer did an article for Digital Foundry that says that it, uh, Zelda runs better in portable mode. Yeah, that's where I read that. Oh, can I also, while we're bitching about shit Switch stuff, have you read this stuff about you can't transfer saves? No, no. You can't, like, well, there you go, I said it. You, you can't transfer save games at this stage. There's no cloud storage. There's no way to share it online and re-download it on another console, and you can't do it via fucking the micro SD. What a fucking joke. This is 2017, and, you know, if I want to... Like, we tend to have two of everything in, in my apartment because we're, you know, big entertainment fiends. We're big gamers, so we've got two Xbox Ones, two PS4s. Um, Katie's very interested in the Switch from what she's played. She wants to get another one, but she's already played eight or ten hours of Zelda. She doesn't want to replay that. So what the fuck do we do? Either she bites a bullet and replays it, or we wait. <laughs> we share, and we wait for Nintendo to release a feature that should have been fucking parted <clears throat> out of the box, right? Hmm. And if they're going to create an online service that they make people pay for, then why aren't they saying things that are standard on the other ones? Like, doesn't PS4, uh, both, I know Xbox does, but doesn't PSN or PS Plus include cloud storage, save cloud storage as default? No, it does. I do know that. Yeah. Uh, I'm, just so watching, just- I'm watching this video on Digital Foundry at the moment. Yeah, they're doing frame rate comparisons and it's dropping to as low as 20. On both Switch or is it on Wii U? This or both? is Switch. Oh yeah, that's bad. Like when, like I'm always going to notice it. Like I think we're always going to notice it, right? Because PC guys, <laughs> you're running shit at like 144 where possible for you, 120 for me where possible, but 60 usually is the standard. But yeah, man, it's, I noticed the little ones, then I noticed the big ones, and I'm like, that's that's bad. And again. It's not a good-looking game. It's a stylized game, and you can tell they've stylized it to hide the performance stuff, right? Hmm. Yeah. But they're also... I'm just quickly reading through the article. They're speculating that it could be something wrong because it seems to be going from 30 down to 20 quite quickly. Um, and they're talking about whether it's like a CPU issue or... Um, yeah, it, it just seems strange. I don't know. There's they're, they're, they're definitely saying there's a problem, like that they're seeing it go from 30 to 20 and you can see on the screen when it does that it's super noticeable yeah and that's what I mean like it's not this is not the opinion of some you know PC elitist guy who's used to double triple whatever quad the frame rates going oh my god it drops a frame every now and then like this is going like you notice like everyone 
everyone would look at it and go, why did it, why did that freeze? Like, why did, why did that go all chuggy there? Like, it's really bad. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're showing a bit now. It's going between 30 and 20. He's just running around. He's been running around for about 20 seconds. It's just all over the place. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm keen to play it at some stage. I don't know when I'm going to get one or if I'm going to get one. I probably will because I do want to play some Mario. Uh, and I do want to play some Zelda at some stage. So, yeah. I just don't know. Is that the only stuff, Blake, you've, you've played on the Switch so far? Just Zelda? Yeah, I mean, apart from that preview event where I played a little bit of everything, yeah. uh, I played enough to know that there are certain titles that I'm excited enough for that I could justify buying one at launch, to be frank. Mm. Because outside of Zelda, there was nothing else that caught my eye um, yeah. for launch. That fast, actually, it wasn't supposed to be out, but for some reason it's out. Uh, fast RMX, which is like the Wipeout clone. Yep. Um, that looks cool. I want to get that. I think it's like 30 bucks. I'll probably pick that up um, and download that. It's only like an 800 meg download as well. I haven't got a SD card, so I'm a bit <laughs> worried about space. Um, but when I look at the release schedule, I'm really not looking forward to anything until... Yeah. So I don't even think has anything been announced that I'm looking Splatoon forward to. Splatoon 2? No, I mean, I like that. I didn't love it. I was like, that, that was kind of cool. I can see the appeal. That's kind of fun, but... But I don't see myself sinking a lot of hours into that. The Mario game looks really interesting. Yeah. I want to take that for a spin and then Mario Kart. Oh, Mario Kart's out end of April. Uh, but that's exactly what's on the Wii U, but plus the DLC and the option now to carry two items instead of one. So that's the only difference. And I think maybe one or two new tracks. So even that's not a like must buy the new Mario Kart's game out. No, it's Mario 8, Mario Kart 8. Just reskinned or not reskinned even <laughs> with all the content bundles like a goatee version yeah um but how are you finding the switch hardware at the moment like what do you what do you think of it does it feel good yeah not really like no. the controller's too small for my hands i probably should go out and buy a pro controller but to be honest i didn't really want to spend a hundred fucking more dollars on it um yeah it, it does seem to be designed for smaller hands Katie hasn't complained about it. You're not I a like child. The... No, I'm not. Turns out I'm not a child. <laughs> You're not a seven foot child. <laughs> You're seven foot, aren't you? Pretty close. close. Six two. <laughs> Basically yeah. the same, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's definitely not been designed with. Maybe that's what the pro, pro controllers for adults in mind. But like, I honestly like the idea of pulling it out of the thing and going away with it. Like, that's cool. Yeah, I've I've now started calling my shits I'm going for a switch because I just take my switch console with me because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. why wouldn't you like you're up to a really bit that you're invested in so you just kind of pull the controller apart slap it on the thing and just pull it out and it's basically ready to it's seamless you know a second where the screen flicks between what's on TV and what's in your hands but it's it's fine it's great and I, I love that I bought a, a Dell power brick for my uh, laptop for international travel. It's like 18,000, whatever the fuck. And uh, it's designed to basically give your uh, laptop battery an extra charge, but that works on the Switch. So that'll be oh, wow. my international travel stuff. I even bought a little bag, a little travel bag for it. I love that it's, it's super keen and it's got like 20 slots for games. I'm like, I probably will get to the end of the Switch's life without owning 20 fucking games. <laughs> yeah. Or at the very least, I wouldn't have 20 games that I'd want to take with me. But I like their enthusiasm, you know? <laughs> yeah, maybe that's just the library. 
You could fit the entire library in there. Oh, maybe. But, like, I've heard, you know, some pretty interesting stick thrown at Bomberman. I think that's, what, 80 bucks. And, like, it looks fun, but it doesn't look like 80 bucks, you know what I mean? Ah, yeah. It's like a mod- it's like a local multiplayer game for 80 bucks. Hmm. You're like, nah, I can't really justify that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in it, but, like, I don't think I'd pay more than 40, you know what I mean? Like, I look at it, and I'm like, I'm not interested enough to spend that much more on it. Yeah. And yet, that one was, like... It's the strangest thing. EB was selling out of pre-order allocation for Zelda and for Bomberman. I guess they were the only two, really. Like, unless you're into JRPGs, they're the, really the only games. And then there's all these little digital ones, like you can get some older Neo Geo games like fucking Metal Slug and shit like that. Hmm. But why would you? I've already got them on Steam, you know? like. <laughs> yeah, not much point. No, not at this stage. But like, I think down the track especially once people you know like people do they start to learn to kind of cut corners with the hardware and get a bit more out of it and whatnot i think that you know a year or two from now um it'll be all right and if they release some sort of battery pack for it there's no reason why if you were traveling quite a bit as i tend to do in a year you wouldn't take it on a flight and get a good eight hours out of it as long as you could have a battery pack that gave it that yeah or maybe they'll figure out a way to fix that fucking the cable on the bottom so that you can charge it and have it on the stand at the same time. Well, they have. There's a $20 fucking... Or 20 or $30 stand you can buy. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. It's so bad, man. It's classic Nintendo. You know, we, uh, we bought the, the NES Mini recently. Yeah. Katie got one of them, like... Because she's the luckiest person in the world. Anyway, she managed <laughs> to get a, an online pre-order one or one in their second or third allocation. Got it before anyone else. It came... It arrived, she's like, got all excited, we set it up, and the first thing you notice on the box is that it says, does not include a fucking power. What? thing? Like, it includes the cable, the mm. USB fucking cable, that you would plug into a power thing, and thank fuck, we've got, like, we're a very Android house, so we've got the Samsung controllers, uh, power things that, you know, you just slip the USB cable in and out. Yeah. So, we, we had that. But if we didn't have that, we would have had to have gone and bought something to even plug the fucking thing in. Hmm. unacceptable and then the cables are all like baby length but of course oh it's got bluetooth though so you can go and buy another bluetooth controller if you don't want the cabled version Uh. and then it only had like 12 or 20 games on there and i was watching katie play it while i'm playing on the pc and you know she's playing every game for about five minutes and she's like fuck the sound of these games are really annoying i don't remember that like it's just and then an hour or 30, 30, 60 minutes later, she just turns it off. She's like, do you want to keep this? I'm like, nah, fuck it. Flip it. <laughs> so she flipped it for more than what she paid for it because they're so in demand. But what a disappointment. And then I look at the, um, the Seeker, the Mega Drive one. That one looks awesome. Yeah. And it's like more compact. I think it comes with wireless controllers and it comes with 30 games that are all better games, in my opinion, than these original NES fucking classics. And I was like, wow, they really just do try to target a fanboy demographic. They create limited quantities of stuff. And then they basically force you or so heavily incent- like make it so inconvenient to just play something out of the box. They, they, they're basically saying, you've got to go buy more shit than just what's in the box. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Which I don't think is... I mean, the memory card thing, there's already a game that's been announced for the fucking Switch that's bigger than its internal capacity. Hmm. What the fuck? Like, <laughs> how is that justifiable? Yeah. Yeah. Didn't think ahead, did they? 
Well, they did. Oh, they And they thought about making money, right? Hmm. And they, but they didn't sell it for like if they were selling the console for what three hundred bucks, fucking oath, man. Yeah, I'd be. I'd be. I'd have one now. (laughs) Yeah, but they didn't, did they? (laughs) No. No. All right. Well, I guess we'll hear more about that from Job next week as well. Let's talk about today's release, uh, which is Ghost Recon Wildlands. So this came out a couple hours ago on uh, you playing Steam, Um, but we've been playing it for the last couple of days. Over the weekend, we yeah, where our local Ubisoft ref, uh, rep rather was kind enough to hook us up over the weekend. Yeah, like <laughs> I wasn't first expecting thing. that. First like it's thing usually Saturday, Friday, five o'clock rolls around. You're like, damn it, haven't got that game. Not going to get till Monday. Yeah, you you texted, didn't you? Like, yeah, I sent you guys a message. Out. Like, fucking, let's get up and see. And it. I'm like, what is he talking about? There's no way. And I'm like, holy shit! And it was like a 45 gigabyte fucking download. <laughs> Which isn't so bad if you're on the sort of internet connection speeds that we have. Yeah, we t- it took us, I think, all of us about an hour, just over an hour to download it. Um, yeah. so we you were- play quite good with download speed, especially compared to my experiences with Steam recently, man, where that shit gets up to maybe six or eight megabytes max and then bottoms out a lot around like a few hundred kilobytes. Steam's usually pretty good, but I guess it depends on what you're downloading. Like sometimes I'll get pre-release stuff that I don't think is on the local content server here. So uh, I won't come down as quick, but I don't think I've ever had a problem with you. Well, this is the first pre-release. I think it's the first pre-release I've downloaded on, on Uplay. Um, and it came down pretty quick. It was running at 10 meg for me. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, we got a code uh, for this. We got a bunch of codes for this, actually. Uh, over the weekend, we... we played uh quite a bit i've i think we've played i've played about 11 hours all up i'm not sure how much you've dug into it so far i played nine before i started going off by myself you bastard running off by yourself yeah uh anyway so wildlands is like a uh it's a new iteration of the ghost recon series but um i would say that it's a bit more uh not as realistic (laughs) as your general tom clancy game it definitely has um, like your one-shot kill type stuff, one to two-shot kill, uh, you can die very quickly, but it is still not as... It's not as grounded as some of the, as some of the other stuff uh, that they've released, um, especially when it comes to the physics system and, and the driving and and uh, <laughs> jumping out of planes and all that sort of stuff is a bit uh, liberal. Um but yeah, it's like a it's like this giant open world where you're in this crew that is trying to take down a, a cartel uh, who's selling a bunch of cocaine. I think they're selling cocaine as their main drug. Um, yeah. But in saying that, I have not been paying much attention at all to the story, so I'm not really forgettable. And the characters are shit and weird and some kind sometimes kind of scary and, uh, and offensive, but really not funny. Yeah. Yeah, but I also think because we're talking over the top of it most of the time, we're just kind of just powering on. Yeah. Um, but anyway, like I'm, I'm actually having a lot of fun with it. <laughs> just yeah, the like- gameplay loop is is incredible. Um, and same thing we talked about before with Sniper, right? Like we go in, we plan stuff out, we get our drones up in uh, Wildlands, we spot enemies, we use binoculars, we make sure that the little fuzz on the minimap that represents enemies in the area but unknown locations gets moved away, becomes solid dots. 
Yeah. And then we find the isolated guys. And Start that's picking them off. Well, if they're snipers, that's usually where it falls apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Try to take a sniper out. We miss the shot. He ducks. We can't kill him. He raises the alarm. <laughs> Which is, I think, is awesome because we roll with the punches. Like it's got it's got amazing bullet drop in this game. Like you can see the shot just uh, like oh fuck, I've completely missed this. Like you you think it's gone, and then all of a sudden it just like the shot just woofs itself and it just drops into the ground. But that's um, just on the default, man. Like, you've honestly, once you start getting some of those attachments, because that's all I've been doing lately. I haven't been doing any of the missions. When I've been playing alone, I've just been going in and getting weapons and weapon attachments. Yeah. Kind of a bit frustrated that I've just been using the same guns over and over again. And I think that's one of the, in terms of gameplay, that's one of the most disappointing things is that there's not more guns. Like, I just feel like there's so many upgrade options and paths and so many things to do, but I'm just using the same guns over and over again because there's not really many options that are vying for my attention. Yeah. Because if I can't put a silencer on it, I don't want it. So immediately all of the LMGs are gone. Immediately all of the guns that we've unlocked by finishing story missions are out of the equation because I you can't even be- customize them. Yeah. I don't want to be that guy who's giving away our position because I've got some gun that does awesome damage and has 80 rounds in it, but ultimately it's going to make noise and I don't want to not have the option of an ass- assault rifle as my primary. So, but I've that prim- that sniper rifle that we've, we were all using the first yeah. one. Yeah. I think I found. Did you get the long barrel or the heavy barrel or whatever? Uh, yeah, I got a long barrel. I think barrel. that fixes the bullet drop significantly. Whatever one upgrades the range, I was like, after I put that on, I started aiming like we like. I got really good at allowing for the bullet drop, like stupidly skill shot good. Um, but I started doing that. I'm like, what the fuck? It didn't drop as much. Like, that's gone way over his head. And started just pretty much aiming at their head mm. and pulling off headshots, which is nice. I've got a semi-auto sniper rifle now. Luke, it's amazing. Yeah? Oh, yes. When, if you miss that first shot. <laughs> you, you back it up? Yeah, you just take another one. You're like, poop, oh, missed that one. Bang, you're dead. And he's got 10 rounds. So it's pretty easy. Yeah. Um, but I, I still think there's like, there's so much customization there as well. There's, uh, like every part of the gun, you can pretty much pull apart and swap up with something. The, um, character creation, there's like tons and tons of different options in there that you can kind of jump in and tinker around with. Um, the, uh, the only thing I'm not really liking at the moment is that <laughs> I guess the stuff that you're doing around the world gets quite repetitive um yeah i don't know well we like i've only done two areas but it seems like the stuff that we've done in those two areas uh feel very samey apart from the uh the main sort of quest stuff it, it, we're just pretty much going in and just shooting a bunch of dudes every single time which i'm okay with um it's more about getting into a new area and like exploring that area and trying to figure out like what the best way to it, it is to approach it uh, and then if shit does hit the fan, like trying to figure out, all right, how do we resolve this and how do we get through it? Um, that's the fun parts, I think. Yeah, but like, it's like your typical like sandbox game. You could boil them all down to you've just got to go places and shoot a bunch of shit. Yeah. But I think it's the tools that you get and the more that you unlock, the more sort of fun that it becomes where, like when you're using the mortar strikes, when shit gets real or like the moment where we created a fucking roadblock and perfectly spread out and just executed a perfect ambush and stuff like that. Like yeah. that's what makes 
the same stuff feel different because you, you're going, you know what? We've done this this way so many times. Let's just try something different. Let's have some fun with it. Ooh. Or jumping out of a helicopter instead of landing it somewhere and walking in the slow way. And <laughs> yeah, like I'm just having fun because there's so many different ways to approach stuff that there's, and there's like doesn't seem to be really be any wrong answers except that if you go in guns blazing, you're probably going to fucking die because we're playing on second highest difficulty level and you don't take many hits before you go down, which is good. So it kind of incentivizes you to to take that careful approach. But you feel like a fucking badass man when you get those sync shots going. You know, when we've got like all right, we've got three guys, three snipers, everyone ready, and and that sync shot system where it shows when someone's aiming at it, like it, it just goes from flashing to solid. Like just yeah. such a simple little way to go. Okay, that one's covered. This one's covered, and yeah, everybody's on site. Everybody can see their target. Oh wait, no, this person's not ready because yep. you know it's out of sight now. I've got to relocate, and you can see that because it's flashing. And then you're like, all right, on your mark. We used to do three, two, one, but now we're just like, just fire. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only complaint I've got. Is that in the when you're playing uh, in the single player by yourself, you have AI teammates, um, and you can actually uh, set up the 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 sync shots to allow them to um uh get a target so you want to aim at somebody and then you can set up a bunch of others and your ai teammates will aim at them and then when everybody's ready either you can hold the q button down to fire or you just fire shoot as soon as you hit the trigger button they fire as well um what i would and i've said this before when i've played the preview what i want to happen in the multiplayer is when you hold trigger but sorry when you hold the sync button I want to count down on the screen to say like three, two, one. Um, or, uh, like I understand why maybe they wouldn't do it because uh, there's a possibility that somebody loses that that sight on the person but maybe maybe it can flash on the screen quickly like don't fire or something like that um, yeah, yeah so, I think some, some sort of countdown would be cool I, I just don't like it's not I just don't want to sit there and say fucking three, two, one every time <laughs> I'm just well, we don't. We just go go, right? Yeah. That's why I've stopped it. I'm like, all right, Luke, just fire. Or just say when you're firing. I'm like, fire, bang. <laughs> yeah. And then you allow for a little bit of latency on chat, so you just go fire, and then you fire like uh, a dis- half second after that. Pretty good. <laughs> well, it doesn't really matter. Like, it doesn't really matter because even if you take that shot, even if you take a shot without telling me, as long as I've got the guy on my sights, so I'm like, oh, he's dead, bang. And before he's had a chance to react, like he's looking around but he hasn't moved. He's dead. <laughs> and look, man, I love the, the fucking bullet penetration and fucking around with that and the different guns with the different penetration values. And now like the whole idea of skill shots and bullet drop and whatever adds this whole new dimension when you're like, oh, I can get that guy through that building. It's like yeah. killing people through walls and stuff now. And I'm loving it. Well, shooting three people through a fucking tin roof. Like I did that twice the other day. Yep. Like that were that were above me in a in a house, but it was a tin roof. So I was like, "Ah, oh, okay. Well, let's try and shoot this guy." And you see the indicator that says you've got them. Um, that stuff's really. I just feel like the guns feel really good when you when you like get people, and they sound great too. I mean, most of the time we're firing firing them suppressed, but I love it when shit goes bad. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going loud, and then I take all my suppressors off, and I'm firing these weapons, and they they sound fantastic, and they feel great, and you get that that feel like what you didn't get from the division, right? Like that whole idea that the Tom Clancy brand is supposed to be uh, high lethality, it's supposed to be tactical, it's supposed to be like things like weapon penetration mm. and whatnot, and you just didn't 
get that from the division because it was a uh, people would just soak bullets in. Yeah, because they were very adamant that it should be an RPG first, and I think that was a mistake. I think it should have been an action game first. I still enjoyed it. I just think it had. Some, so did I. But it, it had some design flaws, right? And they acknowledged yeah. that. Like they had to go back to the drawing board again recently to keep people's attention, right? They were like, "We got some stuff wrong," and I, I believe one of the things they adjusted was how the enemies not being bullet sponges anymore. <laughs> mm. Because if it's a dude running at you, like it's supposed to be realistic, but this dude's running at you in a fucking hoodie, and you have to headshot him four times to kill him, and you're just like, what? Like that doesn't make sense. But if it's a guy who's armored, like you can, and and that happens a bit in Ghost Recon, right? If he's armored, yeah. you can kind of accept that he's going to take half a clip to his chest, even though headshots seem to kill universally, which is great being yeah. a Tom Clancy game, high lethality, he, headshot should be rewarded with an insta-kill. Uh, but yeah, I'm having lots of fun, man, and I'm like, yeah, I wrote a preview or first thoughts thing or another, yeah. and my whole thing was like, I'm going back in now, I'm collecting weapons because I, like, personally, for me, I'm just, I want to play around with some new weapons, yeah. but I'm actually saving the story missions um, and even play, like yeah. the other the side quest stuff for you guys because I'm like I want to play that cooperatively it's a bit shit in terms of first world problems or games press problems whatever you want to say in that a couple of our mates have jumped in today and I've jumped in with them and it is actually boring going back through and doing the same stuff all over again yeah and like, <laughs> yeah and I'm just kind of like waiting for them to level up so that's a similar problem to the division you might remember like Job had a trip and I had a trip and so we both kind of everyone got out of sync and by mm. the time we got back from our respective trips people were at different levels so I tried to jump in with you guys but you were so high level that I was getting one shot by guys with fucking shotguns shooting me from 100 meters away you know like yeah. one pellet would hit me and I'd be dead so I wasn't feeling like a very useful part of the team and I just felt that it was a bit stupid you know like it wasn't the proper experience um, so it, it does I don't know really how you would solve that but I'm also actually curious to see whether the difficulty is client-side, right? Because everyone seems to be that we're playing with plays on the same difficulty, the second highest one. I'm wondering if I put it on easy, say, and you had it on the highest, mm. whether the enemies for me would be easy, but they'd still be hard for you. That would nah, be cool. I think it's just whoever's hosting. Right? Yeah. yeah. Balls. Um, but yeah, like I'm having, I'm having fun with it. Um, I'm, it's not necessarily a perfect, like, uh, one of the best games I've played. It's got, definitely has a lot of problems. Um, but I'm still enjoying playing with a group of people. Uh, yeah. I don't know how much I would play by myself. I haven't no. experienced that too much, but. It's built for co-op, man. Like, in my yeah. opinion, it is built to, like, if you said to them, what's the best way to play? They'd say four people. Yeah, Get I mean... Four mates, play through the whole game together, do it in big chunks, you know, over the course of a week, a few hours every night, or... But it's, mine's huge. We did, what, nine hours, and it's telling me that I've only completed 13% of the game. Yeah, like, I, I've done 10 hours, and we I, I've completed two areas. And there's, like, what, 20-something? 20 21. Yeah. <laughs> it's I'm wondering crazy. how much of that is related to, like, shit that you don't need, like little documents and you know, fucking medals and all that stuff, which I'm not too interested in 100%ing, but as long as I'm having fun with the gameplay loop, and I'm probably going to start a second character and play with um, with Katie on a lower difficulty level, because I okay. think it's I think it's fun. Mm. Like, I genuinely think that it's a fun co-op experience, and, and I've gone back and played a few hours by myself, and I'm not having as much fun. It's because, you know, 
can't rely on the AI teammates as much. They're kind of that you feel that push and pull of them, the developers wanting you, the individual player, to feel like a badass, but still realizing that you've got to be part of a squad that feels like it's a badass squad. Yeah. And like they don't, they're very like they wait to follow your lead. And when I told them to go loud, like not go loud, but when I said to fire, like yeah. I was did that command they actually like tore up most of a base (laughs) and it was good to have that option and not just have me feeling like the solitary badass but you can tell that they're like deliberately held back Mm. by what you're doing as a player yeah yeah. and sometimes that leads to you getting killed in situations where if you and i were running around like i would be able to trust you to get the guy who was behind me or something like that but they don't do that unless they've been told to yeah yeah, that, that, that's the thing I liked about playing it. That's the only thing I liked about playing it solo was that when I did that sync shot stuff, it felt like badass. Whereas when we do it, when we're playing, it's a little bit um, sloppy. Like, it's not all in sync in the same second. Whereas this is like, you hit the trigger and everybody drops at the same time. It just feels awesome. Um, but still, I, I still think it's a really cool system of implementing that sync, sync shot stuff, of showing it on the screen. Um and uh yeah it's 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 a fun game but yeah we we were having issues with it i I don't know if it's being fixed yet uh we were playing with a day one patch um but i I thought they did release another patch in the last day or two but i I could be wrong um no i haven't seen it i haven't seen the patch and i know that because i've been going to cancel the for honor update for the last five days (laughs) so it hasn't been in there except for that first day where it downloaded that 114 meg patch which according to the patch notes not that it listed the size but according to the patch notes that was um the day one patch okay so they're up to 1.02 at the moment right um from what i read in the patch notes yeah yeah the last one they did was like a network stability thing and that's why i thought oh maybe it's that problem we were having but yeah i'm not sure but we only yeah we only experienced that when job was flying like i'd never had that problem when i was driving or when you were driving yeah so we had this weird issue where um it would kind of just freeze for a second and it would freeze for all of us uh and there was a brilliant moment where it was doing it it must have done it three or four times within about 20 seconds um and job was trying to turn a corner and it's uh there was a bridge next to us so there's like a river down below but he's uh, he's not turned far enough, and and then the game is like frozen. But Nate and I have noticed that we're going <laughs> off the cliff, and yeah. both of us fucking bailed out of this car. And the next thing you see is Nate and I standing on the road, and this truck uh, just goes flying off the edge with Job still in it. <laughs> the thing that made it great was it was like it was like it was a mechanic in something like Quantum Quantum Break because. <laughs> yeah. We didn't roll out of the car. Like, the car was frozen, so the the client-side physics detected that the car wasn't moving. So we just stepped out of the car, and I moved to the side because I'm like, yeah, that car's swerving, so it's going to hit me. So we just kind of moved parted ways, and then then it reset, and he's 10 meters back down the road, and he's just gone into the river (laughs) between us. Yeah, while both of us are just standing there. (laughs) Yeah, it was was so good. 
but it was a weird bug and frustrating for Job, especially when he was flying the helicopter and it would kind of freeze. But it would freeze for all of us. Yeah. So maybe that's what they maybe they had to fix something in the back end and that was impacting certain people. I hope so. Because he's a damn good helicopter pilot, so I would rather <laughs> him be working than any of ours. <laughs> yeah. The um but, but that that was quite funny. Other thing we had happen was uh, for some reason Job kept like <laughs> his character model. Uh, every time he would either get into a car or, or get into a helicopter or something, it would just dropping out of it. Like uh, it was glitching the fuck out of it. Where he would be in a car, but. It wouldn't have him sitting in the car. He'd be running next to it or running on the roof of the car as we were driving. Um, so we'd be driving along and then all of a sudden you'd see Job's model pop out of the back of the car and like trying to run towards it. But it would constantly keep doing that. So every like four seconds, you'd see it, you'd see him pop out of the car and just disappear behind us, um, which is quite funny. And that happened with the plane as well or the helicopters. We'd be in a helicopter and it looked like Job would eject out of this helicopter and just start <laughs> dropping. You'd see him fall the, to, to the ground, uh, and then that would happen every couple of seconds. So, yeah, super entertaining. Even though it was a bug, uh, it wasn't game-breaking. It was just hilarious. Yeah, I think that's the important thing. Like, we did encounter some bugs uh, and some frustrations, and you had crashes originally. I had a crash that just took me right out of the game. We had some bad spawns that, like, put one of us or a couple of us on like a couple of kilometers up to a couple of kilometers away from everyone else but like none of that made me go you know what fuck this game like i'm done like yeah. i was just like oh well gotta get over there like i was just so caught up in this little gameplay loop and having so much fun in this co-op experience in this awesome sandbox world that i was like okay that's a minor frustration but it doesn't matter like it pales in comparison to the fun that i'm having yeah it didn't stop us it didn't break anything it didn't stop us from getting anywhere I have, um, I did record video footage of <laughs> Job in the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was great. Um, the other one, the other one we had was where he was, he was parachuting. It looked like he was parachuting out of a plane. Uh, you had that one. Yeah, I couldn't see that on my side though. That was the weird thing about that one. Like it was only visible for you. I saw the video as well that you put up. Yeah. So Job's character model looked like he was parachuting. So he's, he's like legs and arms were kind of stuck up in the air. Uh, but we were on the ground walking around infiltrating a base. Uh, so he was kind of just roaming around on his stomach and it was quite quite funny i thought it was hilarious the great thing about the helicopter bug is that it means the helicopter registers as though it's not actually flying so the rotor blades aren't moving it's not making any sound it just (laughs) looks like it's landed but it's just kind of floating through the air (laughs) yeah yeah ah man a lot of fun a lot of good fun even though it's a little bit broken but still it's it's a fun game makes me want to go back and play the division to be honest because um, I never played it properly I know that they've fixed some stuff they've played some different stuff um, and I've still actually to this day got the division installed because yeah. I'm like you know what I think I'll go back to that one day maybe 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 when there's nothing to play mate <laughs> we'll yeah jump well in. <laughs> when, when's that ever going to be holy shit yeah yeah uh, alright well is there much else to say about that I don't think so at the moment that's it yeah oh they're adding PvP for free which I'll be interested to take for a spin with you gents as well oh that'd be 4v4 squads oh wow that'd be interesting 
Yeah, I'm wondering what sort of uh, equipment you'll have access to. That'll be the most interesting thing to see, whether they lock stuff off or whether the mortar ability is like a, a pickup or something. I want to see how they'll handle it. But like, yeah, I, I'm very keen to take that for a spin with some of you guys. Hmm. Especially if you can drone out, like one guy droning, you know, other people hunting. Be cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, that's all we've been playing. And holy shit, was that going on for a while? Um, but that's cool. We should do some news quickly and then get the fuck out of here. Yeah? Yeah, do it. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Donnie Yen. He's going to be in a Sleeping Dogs film. I don't get that. Didn't didn't they shut some shit down? Like, didn't they shut the Sleeping Dog studio down? Or did I just imagine that? No, yeah, the, the sequel got killed or something. Or at least the uh, yeah the studio got killed. Uh, yeah, so, and, and now they're announcing a movie? Like, that doesn't seem to add up. <laughs> right? Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's really strange. Um, when I'm psyched because it's fucking Donnie Yen, and I love Donnie Yen, and uh, I think he's a badass fighter, and I actually quite like his acting too. Yeah. Um, you're thinking of United Front Games. They were the guys that made that. And they're gone? They're gone, yeah. Wait, wait didn't did Sleeping Dogs get made into a free-to-play thing? I feel like it did. Some sort of shitty open world. I can't remember. Man, I'm losing my mind. I'll have a look. Not sure. I wrote about something. Yeah, yeah. Um, like in the last year or two. Sleeping Dogs. Have a look. Okay. Yeah. Try. It's, it's called Triad Wars. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. This is the game they released before the studio got shut down, right? Oh, did they? Oh, okay. So there you go, might be, might be dead. No, no, I'm thinking of something. No, I'm thinking of something else. Let's see if it's still alive. I'll click on the link. Smash and Grab was the game they were making. Your connection is not private. Fuck, that's the I'm not going to. <laughs> you should go to that site, Nate. Go to that yeah, one. Yeah, that sounds great. But I'll watch it. I feel like kind of obliged to watch most games. Video to- game movies? Yeah. I mean, not that I expect Sleeping Dogs will be great. I just expect that because it's got Donnie Yen, it'll have good action, right? And I would go watch a shit movie with good action fucking any day of the week. So um, I'm happy to check it out. And if it happens to be good, then that's great. But they still still haven't cracked that riddle, have they? <laughs> not yet. Maybe, uh, maybe soon. I don't think so. No, not uh, the Division movie? No. Uncharted? I don't think The Division makes for an obvious movie, you know. Oh, actually, Uncharted. Uncharted should be good. Hmm. Uh, Because I like Joe Carnahan, who wrote it. Um, I kind of wish he was directing it, but he's not, but that's okay. Um, Yeah, Uncharted is good. I like what he said about it. Like, he said that he didn't just want to recreate the games. What he wanted to do was... He, you know, had to prove that he understood the characters, and so he wanted to kind of show the characters in a new situation. Okay. So kind of like almost like a sequel, <clears throat> uh, something that would fit between um, the games, given that Uncharted Four was the last one. Um, yeah, but but like kind of taking the spirit of 
what it's about and telling a movie within that space. Okay. I like that approach more so than him saying, yeah, I'm remaking the first game or yeah, I've taken the, the opening of two and I've mixed it with three and four. Like he, his whole thing was like, you've already played the set pieces. Why would I recreate them? <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on then. What else is there? Uh, Xbox game pass is coming out, uh, later this year. Um, <laughs> Basically, it's going to be like a eleven dollars Australian. It's like ten bucks US. Um, Jeez, that's not bad. Subscription we didn't get fucked on the Australia tax. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what it, I, I don't know what it is in USD, but it's close. It's about ten bucks, um, at least as far as I think. I don't know. Uh, anyway, it's going to be like this subscription-based service where you sign up to it and you get a selection of game games to play from a library. This is something that I actually talked about a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Um, I signed up for EA Access. Um, Origin? Or Origin. Or, is it Origin Access? EA on PC. Access. Yeah. yeah. EA on the Xbox. Yeah, and that gives you um, a bunch of EA games to to play uh, in their library. You can just basically install it and off you go. Um, and they've got pretty recent stuff on there, like uh, Mirror's Edge was on there, uh, Mirror's Edge Catalyst. Um, Battle was it Hero. free? Was it a free trial? No, no, I paid for it. I know my brother paid for a month to access Battlefield for 10 hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it came out. Uh, and okay. you can do the same thing with Mass Effect, apparently. Yeah, so they, um, all the Mass Effect games are on there. Uh, what else is on there? Um, I, I basically got it so I could play Dead Space, Dead Space 3, um, with my girlfriend. Uh, yeah, so anyway, I, I was basically saying back then that, like, this stuff's cool. I wish someone would do like something similar but have like a big games library like I was wanting um, Sony or Microsoft to do something like that I, I think that's really interesting uh, and then like yeah they've announced that they're going to be doing something like this so that, that's awesome um, there's going to be Xbox One and Xbox 360 games on there they're saying that uh, I think they're planning on having like 27 games at release or, or during the first um during the first month uh and they're basically signing on a bunch of publishers to jump on on board with it and and um and, and try and get as many games on here as possible yeah xbox games pass will be available in oh sorry at least 27 xbox markets at launch not 27 games um so yeah there'll be a fuckload of games over 100 games oh. wow i was wrong i read this very wrong yeah, that's heaps. Fucking hell. 100 games. There's a lot in there. So you'll be able to jump in and, and just like uh, download whatever you want. There's no limit on how much you can download. Uh, I guess if you're someone that's got a download cap, then you might need to be worried about that. But yeah. if you're subscribed to this service, you can download as much as your hard drive can fill up and you can play them. Um, if you do decide to cancel that subscription, then you, you don't get to keep the games. It's... It's a per month basis. So, do they expire? I thought I was reading They're, something about games expiring. They will be doing like a um, uh, like a rotation system. Um, so some games will be added and some will be removed, but they're not explicitly saying saying at the moment like what will be removed. Um, so there's a possibility that maybe a license will expire, um, and they'll have to take a game away. But yeah. I guess we don't know yet what that what that'll be. And is it new stuff or just old stuff? 
Um, <clears throat> they're going to have things like Halo 5 on there. Uh, NBA 2K16 was a game that was announced. Um, what else is in this list? Mad Max, Payday 2, Logo Batman, Gears of War Ultimate Edition. Um, Fable 3 is in the list. Like, there's some decent stuff in there. It's an interesting idea, but like, if it's all older games, probably already own them. Yeah, and um, if it, if it was like a subscription service for newer games, holy shit, man! Like, yeah, but I don't see how that would work. I think it's still cool for older games. Like, not everybody is as fortunate as like getting like us, where we get a lot of games early, and um, there are stuff that we don't pay for, but. Also, we're in the position where we try to play as much as we can. Um, this gives people the opportunity to don't buy a lot of games um, just to spend 10 bucks a month and can play whatever they want. Uh, you know, the stuff that's not exactly recent, but, you know, Mass- like that Mass Effect series is amazing. I- I'd recommend anybody that hasn't played it to-, to get the subscription and play those Mass Effect games. Ew, the first one sucks. The first combat's one, so bad. First one's not good. Uh, second <laughs> and third one are, uh, are really good. I think second is one of the best games I've ever played. It's, a, it's an amazing game. Yeah. Uh, I've never played them because I couldn't get past the first one because I hated the combat so much. I didn't like the first one either, but I went and played the second one. I was like, holy shit. This is but I like- feel like I have to play the first one to have my choices carry over to the second. I can't just no, fudge that. You can fudge it in the second one. They, they no, I know, but I don't want to fudge it. I, I feel like that's part of the experience, you see, and this is why I'm never going to play them. Although I will play Andromeda. Yeah. And you can get, yeah, 10 hours of early access to that on um, Origin hmm. Access. EA Access. Well, I'm already signed up, so... Fuck hey, how was Dead Space co-op, by the way? Uh, we didn't play it. <laughs> oh, it's on my list to play with my girlfriend as well, because um, she likes those games she likes horror games and I was like oh fuck yeah I would like to play and I never played it like I I played uh, I finished the first one I recently went back and finished the second one and by finished the second one was fucking awesome yeah I lie I didn't actually finish it that final boss fight kicked my ass um, no. and I just lost patience anyway so let's just say I finished it uh, but third one I'd only played in preview and I fully intended on playing it cooperatively with someone but never got around to it so I mm. haven't actually touched the third one and I love the series so much that even though I heard bad things about the third one I had to play it yeah but if you got it man we can play it Cobb if you can uh, I'll get in trouble for that probably alright so we can't do that <laughs> fair <laughs> enough can't do that Cobb yeah um anyway we have to find time as well right <laughs> yeah find time yeah alright what else we got here uh, Microsoft says they're doing a VR headset it's coming so this is something <laughs> separate to the HoloLens um, but they're ba- they're, they haven't really announced what it is, but they're saying that they are working on something. I don't think HoloLens, in its current form at least, is ever really meant for consumers. It's too it's too expensive. <laughs> like, you can buy a dev kit, and I'm pretty sure that's thousands of dollars. Like, multiple thousands of dollars. Yeah. Um, so, either... Like, I don't see production costs going down significantly enough that people are paying, what, six to a hundred to a thousand, maybe? And that's even pushing it um, for this thing to be mainstream. I think it has more uh, commercial 
commercial use and, and educational use. It's amazing. I've been looking into it recently, HoloLens. Like, and it's all old videos, like from two, one or two years ago. Mm. And the stuff they were doing two years ago with it is just mind-boggling. Like live stage demo AR thing with um, hologram technology creatures coming out of the wall, and and the dude was holding this device, and it like uh, formed a hologram around his arm that was his weapon. <clears throat> yeah. It was fucking awesome. And then there was just the simple stuff like a dude turning his lounge room into a, um, like a basically a Windows desktop. Had his, you know, his calendar and his weather updates and all these little universal Windows apps that were just kind of sitting around and video player that he could expand and shrink with, with just doing minority report style hand gestures or voice control. Uh, I think it's very exciting. I just don't see it really ever becoming consumer grade in its current form short of them like toning down the technology or making it like kind of hybrid doing some sort of VR thing VR slash AR yeah and that's what they're talking about in this yeah they've, they've wasn't it Microsoft who was fucking around with that sort of AR thing that would take you'd be playing a game and then it would actually project the entire like scenery of what's happening off the screen onto the walls around you yeah yeah that was um, like they did something similar with Minecraft when they initially showed that off Oh, you mean with HoloLens? With HoloLens, yeah. No, I meant, I'm talking that this is different. Imagine you're looking at your TV and you're playing, a, dry, a say, a driving game. Hmm. And so all you can see in the driving game is what's on the TV. But this device would project everything else outside of that. So it was a complete peripheral visual experience. Yeah, okay. So it was like beyond the TV, but like you were still focused on the TV, but the corners of your eyes would see everything else that's happening in the game world as well. Mm. I thought it was an interesting idea. I don't know how practical it is again, because like with motion control stuff and connect and whatnot, like you needed to have a dedicated space with room to do shit. I think that's problematic, but I think AR augmented reality is infinitely more exciting than virtual reality because the idea that you can still see what's in the real world, in the room, you don't look like this fuckhead groping around in the dark and having to trip over shit. You're actually just looking at the real world, but it's projecting things onto the space that you're already in. So you yeah. can see everything that's around you, and then you can interact with it by talking at it or moving hand gestures and stuff. I think that's really exciting. But for a gaming application, I think that that will happen, but I don't think it's going to happen in the next five years. Fun. Yeah, it'd probably be like another gimmicky thing. We're not going to see many people take it and use it. It's more something that like indie devs would use or internal um, studios. Well, well, I think like the, the sort of markets that they pitched it to originally were right. Like the, there was, they did a video on the educational possibilities of it and they were talking about a med school thing where <clears throat> you could have all of these students wearing this HoloLens and instead of them actually looking at a real live dead body that's been donated to science, which is apparently still how they do it, (laughs) um, of people like cutting it open to see how things work. It was just this digital person. And then you could like separate skeleton from muscles from, you know, skin and all this stuff in a way that you can interact with it. You get like a pull the heart, out and look at that in front of you and then you could zoom in on it so you could remove the side of the heart and see what it looks like when it's beating and the different valves and stuff like that like that sort of application for a higher level university Mm -hmm. sounds amazing also the idea of online shopping it's an article I'm working on at the moment Um, but the idea of augmented reality in online shopping think about the idea of like being able to look at what a 
bit of jewelry or a watch or a suit or pants or whatever looks like on your body. Yeah. Before you, I mean, you can't feel it, but then the the better the better one is something like if you wanted to buy a new fridge or a couch or something, but actually looking at your space and seeing its dimensions, seeing how it sits, seeing what color the colors work in the environment and stuff like that. Instead of having to go to the fucking show floor, you're just doing it through AR mm-hmm. and then you buy it. Like I can I can see that sort of application being very appealing to retailers. In fact, there's already billions of dollars being invested in in it because people are seeing the potential. Like they're seeing that the problem with online shopping is that people can't see and touch it, but people don't want to go into stores as much. So it's easier to sell stuff if people actually walk into a store, apparently, than it is online. But if you can kind of find a halfway point between that, then it's going to work. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, all right. So I guess we'll hear from more about that in the next couple of years. Maybe though it'll be something they focus a bit more on with the Scorpio because um, they've said that it's going to be VR capable. So there might be a headset on the horizon when, with that. When is that out? The- That's supposed to be this year. Did they say a window? Is it like holiday or end of year or? They didn't uh, I don't think they've specifically set a like a, a date, but um, they're saying that that's coming out this year. So we'll probably hear about it before E three. Got to like, imagine the, like soon, man. Yeah, like Crackdown would have to be a launch title on that Crackdown three. You'd imagine because they went all quiet on that, but that's still apparently coming out this year. Um, and the sort of stuff they're doing with the technology there would lend itself to showing that off on a on a new console. Um, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what they do with Scorpio. But I was always under the impression that Oculus Rift would just be become an Xbox. Maybe um, like they'll just pay it. Yeah, they'll just like port it over or something like that. Yeah, possibly. Um, I don't know, man. I guess, like, I, I E3 is in three months. We're going to hear about Scorpio in the next two. That, that's just going to... You don't think they're going to save it till nah, E3? No, they'll be too much. They'll do what they did last time, which is um, they'll do their own event. Uh, they'll talk about, like, architecture and all that sort of stuff. And then E3 will be about games. Games, games, games. TV, TV. Yes. So that'll be in E3's in June. It's now March, three months. Uh, I think probably the next somewhere in the next two months we'll start hearing about Scorpio. They'll do an event. That would be my guess. That's what I'd do. Nice predictions from Luke. I like um, it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what else we got? One last story here. Intel Extreme Masters is coming to Sydney over a two-day period uh, for CS:GO. Two hundred sixty thousand dollar prize pool. Does that not, doesn't seem like a lot of money. Is that, is that just me being weird? That's you being weird. Uh, in terms of like esports in Australia, no, no, but this is global, right? Like this is a global still, competition that's coming to Australia. Yeah, it's still not too bad. It's still, oh, I'm not, it's not to be snuffed at if someone wins that, but that's the total prize pool, right? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, for that tournament. Um, it, I, I'd say it's the largest tournament in Australia, like prize pool we've had in Australia, I, I would guess. That's good. It's a step in the right direction. Yeah. Um, just like using my brain to think of stuff. But yeah, it's awesome. Uh, like, we, I don't think we've had a huge tournament like this come here. They're going to basically be, they'll be selling tickets to the um, arena out in Homebush. And uh, they're expecting like 20,000 tickets to go on sale, which is nuts yeah and they're expecting it to sell out too it's 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 good it's important it's essential that the more 
common esports tournaments become, the easier it is for these mainstream fuckwits who still laugh at it. Like it's not like what was that Fox? Wasn't there some dude who was saying he wouldn't he'd quit if he ever? Yeah, yeah, like like that that sort of dinosaur, that sort of dickhead attitude um, needs to fucking die because. It's not like this niche thing that's growing and you've got to back the horse that's in last spot that's going to come back to first. Like, it's already huge. Esports is fucking massive. Yeah. It's, it's already happened, like the explosion of interest. So, these people, really, if anything, are just delaying the inevitable of getting on board. Yeah. I think the it's important. This, in particular, is important for us because it's happening in Sydney. Um The esports scene in Australia, ha- you know, it's not as big as everywhere else in the world. Yeah. Um, we don't have our teams are not very good, uh, you know, in terms of the standards because we're so far away. We we, we don't we can't practice with anybody with anybody. Um, we can only practice with Australians and New Zealanders. Yeah, Australia, <laughs> New Zealand, um, and Southeast Asia people. Well, that still has ping issues as well. Um, it's not as bad as like playing with people in Europe or in America, but um, yeah, you, you can't play. It's hard to play games like Counter Strike. You know, you can at least do it with stuff like Dota. Um, you know, you yeah. get some leniency with that sort of stuff, but yeah, it's not great. Um, so this will like at least, I hope, hopefully bring more interest, um, for people to do bigger events down here, um, and show that if they can sell this thing out, that they, that more things can eventually come down here and more, bigger prize pools and, um, hopefully get sponsorship from, uh, other, uh, other markets in the area that can go be like, all right, maybe we can throw some money behind this. Um, I mean, you'll see, start seeing this stuff being covered a bit more seriously on local TV and whatnot. So it's only, I think, only good things that are come out of this, and that's really awesome that um, ESL and Intel are doing this down here in Australia. That's it's really cool. Yeah, and I, and I think you've hit the nail on the head there in, the, in terms of the idea of how esports in Australia grows. It's not just that there's interest that needs to happen and or putting the cart before the horse so to speak it's, it's this idea that uh we have a, a locational problem like we we can't compete with these other teams because of latency and because of location because of distance so the idea then is to take australian teams more to the world stage or to bring the world stage through australia as well yeah so that there's more of this exposure to higher level play and that makes better better um better teams better competition around the world but ultimately for australia better results for australian teams yeah hmm. so uh that's happening in uh in may so uh i guess we'll be talking a bit more about that around then but uh maybe we can get tickets to that and go <laughs> yeah <laughs> we have uh, to be interesting. absolutely um yeah i hope that they've got like a little press space because i would be very interested in checking that out yeah for sure um uh we we may even be talking about this next week if the fucking tickets sell out quickly i don't know when are tickets going on sale i think two days from now yeah i was reading i think that's gonna go fast i'm interested to see how much the tickets are (laughs) because they're not they haven't said that yet as far as i could tell yeah that is interesting hmm anyway that's super cool and exciting uh and that's the news for this week there's a lot there but uh anyway uh and that's it for the week we can wrap things up and get out of here go play some wildlands <laughs> you can go to the gym i don't think i'm doing that now oh good good <laughs> this is my plan it worked no, i love it when a plan comes together rant. 
Yeah, uh, and then be like, oh, you can't go to the gym now, Nate. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to play Wildlands. Couldn't have some sort of dinner, I think. <laughs> no, you don't need dinner. Wildlands. You don't need dinner. Wildlands. I think we're <laughs> supposed yeah. to be going to dinner. But anyways, yeah. Pretty much. Thanks right. for having me, man. That's cool, dude. Um, So, we can... Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Like, if you want to find us, Nate, you can go to Facebook. We're on that. I'm not going to... I don't want to find you. Okay. Well, <laughs> everybody else can find us on uh, Facebook. We're under the GA Podcast. Um, we're also on Twitter.com slash GA Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Android, the Windows Store. If you want to download the show from there um, under the Gap or the GA Podcast, you can search and review us um, on your favorite, I don't know, podcast uh, app or whatever you use. I don't know. I use an app. I use Pocket Cast. It's pretty good. Um... You can also go to our website, which is the gapodcast.com. You can find links to everything on there. We've got a Discord channel, which a lot of people have jumped into and chat to us on. It's a lot of fun. Siege. Yeah, we've had Siege people playing recently, right? Yep. I think. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, we've got like a squad of 10 now. Something crazy. Yeah. Um, what else have we got? Uh, if you want to help support this show that we're doing right now, you can go to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash GA podcast. It helps us do things like pay for hosting, um, uh, you know, being able to host the show, the website, all that sort of stuff, because it does cost a bit of money. But uh, we appreciate anybody that can help do that. And um, one of the tiers we've got on there, which is the special tier called Early Access, allows you to get the show a couple of days before everybody else. Um, what? I know. Remember that thing, Nate, where we were like, uh, during our Game of the Year show, it was like, early access, fuck that. We went, <laughs> we went and did it. Nice. Good. <laughs> Selling out. So yeah, cool. we sold out. That's how you know you're big. Um, so we've generally been releasing the show on uh, Wednesdays, putting it up um, for people with early access, but otherwise, everybody else gets it on Fridays, so... If you're the type of person that doesn't want to sit around and wait and thinks that they can support the show, then go ahead and do that. You don't have to, but if you want, that's totally up to you. It helps us a little bit. Um, yeah, and I think that's that's it for this week. Oh, you can also email us at uh, the podcast at gmail.com if you have any questions that you want us to answer. We won't do that this week because uh, the show's going quite long, but next week, Joe will be back and we'll oh. answer some emails on Discord and, and they are the podcast email so that's it um have you got anything you want to shout out to nate any pieces of work that you've got going on yes i want people to write emails of complaint to the gap about me being on it so that you guys stop asking me to be on it because i talk too much we like it when you come on (laughs) talk too much no you don't talk (laughs) you don't talk too much it's good i like it um in terms of stuff coming out pc powerplay has a bit of uh stuff i have written recently currently i think the pc powerplay magazine with the mass effect cover has my feature in it interviewed a producer mike gamble um ahead of the game's launch and keep an eye mass effect and sorry mass effect yeah um and um in terms of other stuff i feel like you should keep an eye on game informer although i imagine they'll put it on the website eventually next month because i'm writing quite an interesting feature at the moment about ai in games and i've managed to get some great interviewees that'll be hitting shelves sometime next month so yeah that one's gonna be fun to write pain in the ass but very interesting interviewees so it'll make for an interesting feature all right um you can also find me at twitter.com slash luke laurie 
And uh, I don't have anything else going up anytime soon because I, I thought I'd be busy working this week. Um, but turns out I don't have to do that much. So, yeah, my schedule is quite free. But I've got nothing going on, so that's cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's it. Thanks, Nate, for jumping on and chatting with us for a couple hours. It's been good having you back. Thanks, man. Um, next week, Job will be back. He'll tell us all about John Wick and how much he liked it. And nice. Nate will be the only person that hasn't seen it yet. Motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, but I went and saw Logan the other day. It was good. It's good stuff. You can do a Logan cast? Um, no. John Wick 2 cast? Maybe. Australians might be interested in that. That's a good idea. Do it. <laughs> we, could, uh, we could do like a reading for them. Uh, like, uh, we'll just describe it so people can... Reenactment, scene by scene. Yeah. Do it. And then he shot a bunch of people in the head. Five oh, minutes. Yeah, you gotta go pew, 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 pew. Ah! Like all that. Yeah. People love that. They do. They do love it. Why wouldn't they? What's not to love? People love it. All right. Thanks, Nate. See you later. Bye.